Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing today? Welcome, 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 welcome back to another episode of The Sea Report. I'm your host, Mr. C, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Casadis. Say my name, say my name. And uh, welcome all, one and all, to this Friday edition of the show. On What is this? Today's April Fool's Day. Ladies and gentlemen, April Fool's Day. On this April Fool's Day, I would just like to say that this is the last and final episode of The Sea Report. Ha! April Fool's. Gotcha. You thought, ladies and gentlemen, not true. But, uh, you know, I wonder how everyone else is faring on this April Fool's Day. Do, do people still go by April Fool's? Like, not go by April Fool's. I mean, obviously, if you're going to get bought, you're going to get bought, right? But uh, do, do people still buy into April Fool's? Is that something that, is that still a thing, you know? I, I would say one of the worst things that anyone could do on April Fool's Day. And maybe this is just the point in general is like, I don't know, say like, okay, it's going to get pretty dark for a minute, guys. It's going to get pretty dark. Please excuse me, but <clears throat> I speak from experience, okay? It's for like someone to like do something like, this is almost too dark for this afternoon. It's like, what, six o'clock central time? I guess it's almost lights out, like, like commit suicide, right? That's pretty dark. I know just half the audience is gone now after making a comment as such, but, um, you know, well, there's like, uh, there's this, uh, this writer, poet, artist, uh, individual that I like. Um, he actually did that activity on April Fool's. So no one knew if this guy really offed himself and if he was really deceased or if it was a joke. And it took him a minute to figure it out. Everyone thought it was a joke. So anyways, I don't know. That's probably like, I told you it was, that was dark. That was pretty dark right there, right, guys? That was pretty dark. But, uh, you know, I just, April Fool's, you know. April Fool's. You fool of the month of April. I don't think I've ever dug into the history about it. It's not important, guys. It's just the first day of April, right? Uh, we are now outside of the month of March. We are officially, what? over the uh the crest of the half of the year and uh, we're moving forward into the remainder of the year wait 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 i take it back it's not the crest of the half that's june duh mr c that's uh sorry march april that's my personal half of the year okay because i'm a september baby so you know six months is march etc 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 my bad. Okay, so I am officially over the crest of the half of my year, okay, personally speaking. <laughs> but we're still here in the fourth month of uh, the year, which is well, you know, at the very trough of the wave. It's not the crest, okay? So don't worry, guys. I'm not changing up our uh, astrology and or our, uh, you know, calendar cycles that we have created for ourselves today. Um, what's going on, Relanon? How are you doing this afternoon? Relanon says, today is the sixth anniversary of my retirement. Um, CN thought I was pulling an April Fool's joke when I retired early. Hey, you know, that's a good thing, right? You retired early. Congratulations. I was just about to say, hopefully, that that was not an April Fool's joke, but why would someone uh, make an April Fool's joke about themselves in such a manner, right? So, so, so uh, 
um, you know, uh, just, yeah, but yeah, so we're, we're here and we're back guys. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. We're early again today. Uh, I was trying to go on a little bit earlier, but I got massively distracted doing some other things. Um, updated the, uh, updated the podcast for the show to now include last Friday's episode, you know, and I'm, I, I might have to go back and listen to some of these things. I find that I have quite clever banter every now and again, and uh, I was getting our uh, last night's episode prepped to upload um, on uh, the podcast. And, you know, I was just, you know, I got through about half of it. Uh, there, there's some editorial ising that is required because because, um, uh, there was that gap that we had last night, you know? And so whenever I'm doing the podcasts and I'm getting up, I will do editorializing. I will edit, you know, uh, just because like, you know, live streaming versus podcasting, you don't really want a whole lot of dead air. I'd say any more than like five to 10 seconds of dead air. People are going to be wondering whether or not the podcast is still going or whether or not it's over. And uh, that could be quite confusing. So I got to do a little bit of that stuff. You know, sometimes I start like looking up things or I start searching out things and I forget to talk or I forget to speak. And then it's just like a whole bunch of dead air. And that's not always conducive to the podcast listener. Podcast listeners do not appreciate more than five seconds of dead air. So we got to make sure we fix that. And yesterday, uh, I got booted out of the system. You guys remember, right? Y'all were here with us yesterday. Got booted out of the system for, you know, a good, I don't know, minute or two, right? Uh, while I was trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, but that was all fixed and uh, taken care of. And then, of course, you know, if I throw in like audio clips, like, you know, how we listened to uh, uh, we listened to that hit Beyonce-esque song that featured President Volodymyr Zelensky dancing in high heels. Well, ladies and gentlemen, got to make sure that we have a room for edits for that. And then, of course, we had President Trump with John Solomon and Amanda Head. What kind of a name is that? Amanda Head. I never heard of it. I, you know, there's another individual that John Solomon reports on with not the, not the noise, just the news. Um, she's a rather Rubenesque reporter, right? Uh, so I was thinking that's who I was expecting to see with, uh, <laughs> I don't know her name. That's who I was expecting to see with John Solomon and President Trump. And then we see like this uh, stick, stickly, um, um, uh, twiggy type of figure in a short dress, um, Amanda Head. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's Amanda Head. Okay, cool. You know, all right, awesome. Now, well, I won't forget for sure now that I have seen it. Hey, how's it going, Tam Growl? Good to see you in the audience. Hi, Thumper Rose. How are you doing this afternoon? Good to see you in the audience again. And uh, really quick, you know, at the onset of today's show, I really would like to extend my gratitude again to you all out there um, over at the foxhole.app and pill.net for um, your uh, support of the show yesterday. It was rain and gold pills over here at the Sea Report on Mr. CTV. So again, I really would like to thank you guys again for your uh, generosity and, and for your support. Um, you know, uh, people popping into the chat rooms and hanging out 
that's always a great moral support, you know, because I was always the kind of person that was like, if I could have just one person in the audience, or if I could just reach one person, you know, um, that's, that's what it's all about. But, uh, when, when it starts to, uh, when it starts to, uh, uh, you know, change into something that folds or jingles, uh, it's like wowzers, gold pills. And it, it really do appreciate you guys again for, for that. that. I think you guys broke my record, my personal record for gold pills at um, the foxhole.app and pill.net. So uh, uh, many thanks again, guys. I really, really appreciate that. You can, you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, will be on the air for the next few months just because of that. All right. (laughs) It was, it was really awesome. It was an awesome thing. I just don't know how to feel sometimes when that happens, but I know, you know how I should feel happy and with a lot of love and gratitude. And you know what? That's how I feel a lot of love and gratitude for you guys. So thank you so much again. And uh, always great to have you guys there hanging out. Uh, Yes, indeed. It was a blessing. Uh, Mrs. Tam Growl, it was a huge blessing. So thank you many, many times over again. And Relanon, thank you for the 117 gold pills, already dropping them gold pills. So uh, it's much appreciated. And uh, well, now, and hey, Judy, the lady pug, what's up? Thank you for dropping the cookie. (laughs) There's another 100 gold pills right there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Many, many thanks. Uh, So for today... Um, we are finally past the, the cloud, the fog of the distraction, right? Because uh, I think that's kind of like, kind of like the, uh, the main narrative I've, I've really been picking up on is that this has all been a distraction, what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. So incidentally, we're not going to be talking about Ukraine and Russia, particularly tonight, um, because we, well, we talked about them yesterday, you know, uh, it's just, uh, being, uh, being an individual that likes to, um, uh, submit my, uh, faith or my belief in certain things, it is, it is difficult to think that, you know, hey, maybe Putin is on their side. Maybe Putin is working with the globalists and this has been, some major distraction that, you know, his daddy, uh, Klaus Schwab, sent him in to do, you know, which was uh, just uh, uh, cause a mass riling of the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media and the deep state department. And uh, and so this way they would have a type of like uh, distractive narrative or story to tell about... Uh, about, you know, um, what's going on over there in, in Russia. And, and then the question would be, of course, well, what is the distraction all about, right? I mean, why this distraction? I think it's pretty easy to see exactly what it is that we're talking about with distraction, okay? Uh, and and that, would, that would boil down to everything that we're experiencing here and now. Now, like I see in the chat room... Uh, hey, Brain Pod, what's going on, buddy? Like I see in the chat room, like Thumper Rose says, nah, Putin is anti-globalist. Now that's been my point of view. That's been my personal stance from the jump, okay? Uh, but then, you know, you have these people. Well, you know, it's not even just these people. I shouldn't say it so generically, right? Or so generally speaking, you know, these people. 
Um, but what, you know, I have seen is like uh, um, any any type of documentary, etc., that talks about, you know, how um, Putin has been part of and Russia itself has been part of this scheme to begin with, you know, but I don't see anything that's that says, uh, you know, contrary wise. I don't see anything that says contrary wise. I don't see anything that says to me that, you know, Russia went along with the Bolshevik revolution and, you know, Russia was down with communists running their government and their country for decades destroying and killing people. I don't see anything that would agree with that. You know, in fact, um, even uh, even President uh, Putin had uh, blamed uh, a lot of what was going on with Crimea and Ukraine on uh, people like Stalin and Lenin, etc. And uh, individuals who were part of that regime. So, you know, I, I, I would really have to agree with Thumper Rose and, and maybe not try and uh, forfeit my own personal beliefs on uh, some kind of, I don't know, query, quandary, or uh, remote fear that uh, they're actually all working against us. Okay, so then, you know, I also saw this documentary. I'd also seen this documentary about, uh, about uh, you know, the uh, underground... Uh, like, um, uh, what do you call it? Highways, right? Okay, so actually the documentary was about uh, the underground um, tunnels and, you know, like the deep underground bases and stuff like that. And the thing about it is, you know, in, in the interview, this man was interviewing uh, someone at the, the mouth of one of these entrances to these underground bases, right? And uh, the guy was talking about, I don't know where they were situated. I'm guessing they were somewhere on the East Coast, right? And uh, the guy was asking, um, the interviewer was asking a truck driver at the mouth of one of these entrances uh, if he was aware about the distance that these underground tunnels and caves go, right? Well, I'm guessing they were somewhere south of Washington, D.C., and the driver told him that he's driven all the way to Maine, right, on the very far northeastern corner of our country from wherever it was that they were, well over 100 miles, uh, by my assessment of what they were talking about. And that some of these routes that go underground, like, go all the way to the West Coast. So, technically speaking, there's this entire underground tunnel system uh, that also um, um, uh, doubles as, like, a city or, like, another civilization. Now, we're going kind of woo just based on what I've said right here and now. But if you think about it... If you really do have these elite, elite uh, uh, individuals who are, uh, you know, just the cream of the crop, the tip of the top in their own point of view, but based on all of their merits of theft and deception and stealing things from the people, um, Putin really could be working. I mean, it, it would mean that everyone on the surface level that is in the government or working with any of this stuff really could just be actors in their play of deception upon we the people the the stupid the uh the uh, uh uneducated the ignorant the unilluminated that would be us right what what do they call them they call them the goyim right not the groypers i don't know what the hell that is but goyim right so 
Uh, and that's a whole something else. So, you know, this, this, this entire broadcast could end up going in a totally different direction at some point. Um, if we decide that we want to go ahead and fill that bucket or, you know, walk in those shoes, I don't think that we're going to do that here today, but, you know, just kind of playing around with those ideas, uh, it, it really could mean that all world government on the surface is all part of their play of deception. It could be that, you know. Um, but uh, all distractions aside, you know, that was the point of yesterday's episode. Yesterday's episode, the real point was to bring out the fact that this could very well be a distraction. A distraction from what? We uh, closed out last night's show with Michelle Bachman, former congresswoman, formerly ran for president in 2012, uh, saying the exact same thing, that this is a distraction what is it that they are trying to keep us from finding out, you know? And so, you, you know, it's just like whenever you are listening to the trash that comes out of the mouths of the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy media, and the trash that just spills out of the mouths of anyone in the deep state department or in this junta, this, this administration, that you always want to look to the opposite of what they're saying. If they're saying one thing, you look 180 degrees the other way and you try and find the counter narrative. You try and find the counterpoint to what it is that they are specifying. Now, that's basically the that's basically the M.O. of the things that I do here at the C-Report. So if it's like, oh, well, this guy who comes out, Mr. C, he's pretty smart. He seems to know what he's talking about. Well, nah, it's just I look at the exact opposite of what it is that they're telling. And that's where I get my, uh, you know, uh, motus of thinking, ladies and gentlemen. It's not that complicated. You know, if they say one thing, you look towards the other. They say black, you say white. Uh, if they say racist, you say, no, you're racist. Okay, so <laughs> that's kind of what I mean here. It's not that difficult at all, ladies and gentlemen, not that difficult at all. Um, but, uh, so uh, the, the, the points, the things that they don't want us to see easy, easy to see. We had what happened. We had Hillary Clinton. Okay. Finally, it's admitted that she spied on president Trump's campaign. You would think we would see more fireworks, right? Coming out of that. Like, uh, it's been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, through John Durham's investigation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, even in the language of his indictments, okay, that the Clinton campaign spied on a duly elected president even after Inauguration Day while he was in office, okay? You would think you would see a perp walk with that, right? You would think that she would be arrested or someone in her campaign would be arrested and they would be downtown right now having a like a midnight conversation for 72 hours where they are interrogated up the wazoo, but we didn't see that, right? Instead, what happened was what? Russia invaded, uh, you know, uh, Ukraine or, or, you know, and even in that, we're, the Nazis, we talked about the Nazis yesterday. Uh, we've talked about the Nazis ad nauseum as that is one of the most aggravating uh, things about this entire narrative is that all of a sudden the whole world loves Nazis. Well, you know what that means, right, folks? 
That means that we need to get President Trump in office right now while the Nazis are in the sunlight and everyone's enjoying their graces for every single lefty that called President Trump a Nazi or compared him to Hitler. Why don't they want him in office right now? They Apparently these people love Nazis. Apparently these people have absolutely no problem with far-right extreme nationalists who rape and pillage and plunder and destroy and participate in genocide. Apparently the left doesn't have a problem with that. And, you know, the thing about it is also is that yet now we're really seeing exactly how they are, you know, and it's almost unfair to classify these individuals as a opposite political point of view to what we see or what we think. It's almost not fair. It's almost like these people are just denigrated human beings that have absolutely no love for life and no respect for individuals, individuality, for people, period. Do, do we even dare to call them a political party? Should we even give them that much clout? Probably not. Probably we shouldn't, you know, but that's, you know, that's, that's, that is something that, you know, we have to contend with is that, it, that it's absolutely okay to be a Nazi if you happen to be from Ukraine. Uh, never mind the fact that people can do their own research and that people can do their own uh, investigation into the history of what Stephen Bandera and the rest of the Nazis that came out of that era um, I guess it just doesn't matter, you know? Uh, let's talk about Israel in that case, right? Israel doesn't seem to care that they're supporting Nazis. There was a, an article that had just come out today, I think, wherein Putin was calling out Israel, and they wanted to know what they thought about Israel supporting Nazis in Ukraine. I'm going to have to look that one up. That one will be a definite goodie to kind of review and see what they think. And I said, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to talk about Russia today. Okay. We're not talking about Russia. We're talking about the distractions. Okay. Hillary Clinton, big distraction, right? She manages to scuttle away without even having to answer questions with the fact that her campaign spied on a duly elected president. Then, and then what, and what's coming up now, of course, is the Hunter Biden laptop, all right, the Hunter Biden laptop and all of the infighting that that merits, okay, like all of the infighting that that merits with within the Patriot community, because everyone wants credit and everyone that, well, you know what, who cares about that, right? The important thing is that the information gets out, but you know what it does illustrate, guys, what it does illustrate, and this is to nobody's fault, but it does illustrate that within these, uh, within these communities, uh, particularly when we're talking about live streamers, podcasters, content creators, etc., uh, news journalists, because this is the case even in like Main Street journalism, Main Street news media, not just in the independents like what we do here at the Sea Report and other people do, is that people have this like avarice to be the first one to break the news, right? And if they don't break the news and they're just not going to report the story, they're like, well, fine, I didn't break the news. It didn't happen. We're not talking about it tonight, you know? Or if someone has an angle that is a little bit more acute, you know, uh, compared to maybe the way someone else is reporting, they get bent out of shape, you know? Or they're just trying to profit off of information, okay? So I think maybe 
one of our takeaways with the uh, Hunter Biden laptop. This is a takeaway if any of you guys are following any of the streams. Um, and I'm not talking about anything specific. I mean, I mean, macro stream, like not micro. We're not talking about all the streams limited to a single platform. You know, whether that is whether that is what uh, Rockfin or Cozy or Foxhole or Sovereign. I'm not talking about just one stream and all of their content. I'm talking about macro. I'm talking about the big picture, the big picture, right? With the big white car. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like everybody from, from everyone here to everyone there, including the big wigs all the way up to freaking Sean Hannity, who is also a joke. Okay. Um, we're talking about individuals who as a takeaway, as a takeaway from this to really recognize that there indeed are people who don't give a damn about this country as long as they're the first to break the story or they can turn a buck off of it, okay? Big picture, not just the small podcasters, not just the streams. I mean, we're small, I'm small potatoes here, guys, but that's also why I always say I don't break the news at the Sea Report. I just share it. I could care less if I have a breaking story. I could care less if I am the first one to talk about a certain story, it, it, you know, because that's why, and like I said yesterday, also, I don't listen to other streams, particularly because I don't want to adulterate my point of view. And, you know, if I'm if I'm going to be listening to other people's streams and I want to talk about a certain subject, but everyone is talking about it and I'm not going to talk about it because they talked about it. I mean, that is ridiculous and childish. OK, so I would just rather not listen to other people's streams. But therein is another big distraction. The Hunter Biden laptop. OK, and all of the information that's coming off of that, I think another takeaway from the Hunter Biden laptop, one that I've kind of seen, uh, is is that uh, people are not people are not focusing, I think, as much on the things that they should be focusing on with the Hunter Biden laptop. For example, Joe Biden and his dealings as purported, as reported, as preserved on his son's laptop, okay? I think that's something that's more important than uh, Hunter Biden um, running around doing drugs and uh, um, abusing family members and, uh, you know, committing acts of pedophilia. While those things are sick and disgusting and they should be acknowledged, uh, the bigger thing here is the money, you know, and is the business and is the embedding that the Biden family has in general with uh, what's going on. Hey, Kaori, what's going on? Thanks for gifting the cookie. Much appreciated. Uh, right. He destroyed Biolabs in Ukraine that we know. Right. Uh, or if not destroyed them, at least secured them. Right. Um, so most of the hey, Aurelius Locke, what's up, sir? What is up? World War Three is already happening. It will not go kinetic. We are not on that false timeline anymore. God fused the two timelines together on God's timeline. Hey, Kaori, I like the cut of your jab right there, sir. I like the cut of your jibe. Uh, World War Three, yeah, I would say that's already happening. Okay, like if something were to happen between Russia and Ukraine and NATO, that would be World War Four, right? That would be World War Four. Um, and, uh, I totally agree with that entire statement, actually, Kiori. Uh, I don't think it will go kinetic. I don't. 
Hey, what's up, Curious Cat? Great to see you in the chat rooms. He says, uh, if the ruble is gold-backed, can the dollar be that far behind? Great question. Uh, from what I understand, the ruble is is either it is now or it is soon to be gold-backed. And uh, what Putin's working with Saudi Arabia and all these other China as well on uh, everyone getting their money to be gold-backed, no longer fiat, Okay. Uh, we all know gold and silver will destroy fiat currency. I mean, that's just that's just economics 101, right? Uh, so yeah, and that's another true thing. Could the dollar be so far behind? Now, you guys know if you guys know that uh, that was the thing that woke me up. That was my my red pill was the banking system. And the uh, the uh, deception of the Federal Reserve Central Bank. And the way that they did uh, uh, handled our, our economic policy, our mon- monetary policy, etc. So most definitely, I've been waiting for this day. Uh, I've said time and time again, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, whenever we leave the fiat currency behind and we go back onto a gold standard or something comparable, that there will be so much liquid wealth among the people that we won't know what to do with it. Like we will be so wealthy if we get off, when we get off that uh, fiat currency system that we are not going to know what to do with the money. Okay. Hey, Shepherding Shepherd, what's up? Support only white hats, Putin riding bears. (laughs) I don't know about Putin riding bears, but yes, most definitely support for the white hats. So, you know, um, you need to add, you believe in to those kinds of statements. Uh, I missed on that one, uh, what you meant, but uh, yeah, you know, so there, well, there you go. Basically a uh, point blank period. Um, correct. However, the tactical world war three seems to have been prevented. Um, oh, you guys are, you guys are chatting amongst yourselves. I get it. I get it. I was like, are y'all talking about me? Uh, but yeah, um, so, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, that's basically that. So the distractions, you know, we gotta, we gotta really stay on top of these things. Uh, the other one, of course, is the election fraud, the election integrity measures, uh, the 2020 general election. That has also been something that I think most definitely has, uh, these things have served to have been a distraction about. Um, let me see. What were those two questions? I missed it. Hey, Casey, thank you for gifting the shades. Much appreciated. Uh, thank you for, uh, hopping in there and uh, doing that. Hey, one, two, three SKG. What's going on? How are you doing tonight? Okay, guys, let's go ahead. And uh, speaking of distractions, Hey, bubbles, what's up? Good to see you bubbles. Uh, speaking of distractions, what do you think about this one? Uh, before we get into tonight's story, okay, uh, tonight's report, like <laughs> the Madison Cawthorn story. Now, this one was rather interesting, guys, um, because here you have a freshman, uh, you know, representative saying things that you would probably not expect one to say. 
Okay. Uh, this is just <laughs> this story. Uh, this story could serve to be a massive distraction, right? Or, or maybe it's because of this story that you know. Uh, well, who was it? The Senate or the House of Representatives voted to federally legalize uh, marijuana, right? Because as long as they're out there getting high on their marijuana, they're not going to care about any of the GOP representatives getting high on cocaine and having sex orgies all night long with each other. Now, this story was something else, guys. Now, this story is actually something that I don't put past people in Washington, D.C. Now, some of you guys out there might not be able to wrap your head around a room full of 60 or 70 year old GOP elected officials, right? Uh, a room full of them, uh, butt naked, doing cocaine, doing rails off each other's you-know-whats, and uh, having a gay old, well, maybe and just a, a swingers-style type of a uh, <laughs> event. I was like, wow. I was like, well, you know, uh, leave it leave it to someone like Madison Cawthorn to uh, make those kind of remarks. I don't say that in a negative way. I'm not being derisive in any form or fashion, but I mean, come on. You know, the guy is in a wheelchair. He's, what, 20-something years old. I would be insulted even if I were in a wheelchair and 20-something years old. Like, you think that I can't go out and get it my own way? You think I need to go out and attend one of your geriatric cocaine-infused uh, orgies? Like, really? Like... <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they just thought that he was uh, cool enough to be a member of the club. But e even in that interview, even in the interview where Madison Cawthorn spilled the beans, so to speak, he even said, you're looking at people who are like 60 or 70 years old. Do I sound ageist? Do I, I apologize if I sound ageist, okay? But I... Um, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but let's just say that the 60 or 70 year old one is not the popular one at the orgy. Okay, so he's getting... <laughs> So he's getting, he's getting, he got in trouble. That, ladies and gentlemen, I think was probably the thing that well, I was like, really? Like, he's going to get in trouble for this. And, you know, I wonder if this just wasn't some type of um, a way for them to get him out, okay? These freshman representatives and senators who came in around, oh, I don't know, 2020, 2018, have been nothing but a pain in the side of the establishment um, po political uh, lifetimers, right, that have been up in D.C. for, oh, 40, 50, 60 years. They've been having these cocaine-fueled orgies. And, you know, I doubt it's just cocaine. I'm pretty sure it's amphetamine fused. I'm pretty sure they're up all on. They're on uppers, downers, benders, you know, uh, breakers, poppers. They're probably on everything. But it's not hard for me to uh, 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 see that as being an actual thing, okay? Like, I'm pretty sure 
when Madison Cawthorn was asked to attend one of these sex bender events with his fellow GOPers, I am pretty sure he just about fell out of his wheelchair, okay? <laughs> I mean, I would have. I would have been like, what? Like, first of all, but you know, I don't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't escape me to think that this is an actual possibility and that things have actually happened like this. I mean, you know, think we hear all of the stories about Hollywood. We hear about the celebrities. We hear about what? Who was that one guy? He was a Democrat donor, right? That killed, like he had this tendency to inject uh, um, a black American genitalia that was passed out from three or four days on an amphetamine and sex bender to inject in their penises, uh, you know, more amphetamines, right? And and causing two of them to die. Who's Who is that guy, right? Wasn't that one of Adam Shifty Shift's friends? right that did that okay you know so the stories are and that guy was not you know that guy was not uh what do you call it he was not a young a young buck right he too was probably in the area of the uh i don't know Kevin McCarthy age or something like that uh the fact that Kevin McCarthy went so hard on him and that's no pun intended, uh, particularly where cocaine and amphetamines are involved. Okay, that's no pun intended. But uh, that that Kevin McCarthy went so hard on him, I think, was very telling. Very telling indeed. Uh, who's this? Hey, awakened mom says uh, hello, everyone. Cawthorn just exposed the entire Congress. Of course, McCarthy wants to keep him f- uh, to keep his from giving names. McCarthy is guilty. Isn't McCarthy like best friends with like some gay lefty, right? I mean, don't they share, aren't they roommates or something like that? So this is not, I mean, while this might serve as a a great distraction, I think also a a lot of truth is going to come out of this. And you're right, Awakened Mom. I really do think of all things that uh, most definitely that uh, there's some guilt by McCarthy there. There's definitely some guilt by McCarthy there. Bubbles says the rhinos and Dems are upset because he told on them no blackmail on him. Thumper Rose says bless Cawthorn. He should have named names or kept quiet. It puts him in a bad position. Gossip. And that's actually the point that I was coming to as well, Thumper Rose, is that um, it, it puts him in a position to where they could try and get rid of him. They could try and oust him, ladies and gentlemen, because he's not naming names. And then if he did name names, okay, then what happens, right? <laughs> Does this become like a, a case of defamation, right? Because he said, okay, uh, Cawthorn said, He said that he saw them doing cocaine in front of him. Okay, so that is that then that would turn into a he said, she said kind of thing. Ed Buck. Thanks, Tam Growl. Ed Buck, the notorious uh, uh, Democrat donor that injected uh, uh, passed out black men in their penises with more amphetamines. Right. Killed two of them. Killed two of them. Uh, but yeah, you know, so then it becomes a, he said, he said, she said kind of a thing, you know, and and where does that go? I mean, do talk about, talk about, talk about really hitting the GOP hard, right? Really hitting the GOP hard. Uh, you would think that he would have to start naming names. Uh, I would say that, you know, if, if I were going to make a statement like that, 
and I were not being flippant regardless of whose uh, broadcast I was speaking on, I would most definitely be prepared to name names. But it appears that, I don't know, within the last 30 minutes or so, uh, stories have been dropping on this uh, manner. And uh, let's see, this is one of the most recent ones from uh, from one of the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media outlets themselves, Fox News. Uh, Fox News says Madison Cawthorn addresses orgy and cocaine controversy. So do you guys, uh, are you guys curious about how Madison Cawthorn got himself out of this pickle? Well, it says Cawthorn was not talking specifically about his fellow GOP lawmakers. Oh, Cawthorn must have been talking about who? Like, uh, I don't know, uh, George W. Bush or George H. W. Bush? Who do you think Cawthorn was talking about then? Cawthorn was born in 1995, ladies and gentlemen. 1995. He is still a baby, okay? 95. He's young. He is so young. He sees like 27, right? 26, 27 years old. 28 maybe. At the, I don't know. I'm not doing my math right here on the air. But, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm 27. I'm very handsome and I'm in a wheelchair. I do not want to get invited to a geriatrics cocaine orgy. Okay. So I don't know if that's what that was all about. But he said he saw them doing it. People that he looked up to. He saw them doing it. So is this him just getting out of it? You know, I mean, it appears so. It appears that they probably applied the right type of pressure on Madison Cawthorn. Uh, whatever kind of pressure that might happen to be. It says uh, freshman representative Madison Cawthorn Friday addressed the firestorm he created in Washington, D.C. by depicting his short time in Congress as one witnessing cocaine drug use, espionage and sexual perversion. In a statement Friday, Cawthorn RNC uh, did not walk back his recent comments, but tried to distinguish that he was not talking specifically about his fellow GOP lawmakers. This guy is following in the footsteps of... Uh, no, just kidding. That's a terrible joke. You know, <clears throat> if I thought that Cawthorn were a rhino, and I don't think he is, obviously this man has done a lot for our country and his constituents, I would have said the joke that he's following in the footsteps of Greg Abbott. But that... <laughs> But that's just, anyways, that's not the case. He's not following, he's not following in the track marks of Greg Abbott. He's not. He is not a rhino. Not like Abbott. But I don't know. We'll see. He might end, he might end up at a cocaine-infused geriatric orgy just because of the fact that he, they made him shut up. They're like, okay, okay, you went ahead and you uh, covered for us. Now, to ensure it, you have to participate, right? Because that's what they do. They make you participate so this way they can blackmail you too. So this way you're just as guilty as they are. Anyways, uh, the article goes on to say, this is what, uh, this is what Cawthorn, he's 26 years old. This is what he said. He said, corruption and unethical activities exist in Washington. It's an indisputable fact. If you don't think that's true, you've not witnessed the swamp. My comments on a recent podcast appearance calling out corruption have been used by the left and the media to disparage my Republican colleagues and falsely insinuate their involvement in illicit activities. 
So this occurred on Warrior Poet Society podcast, whom I've never heard of. And it said Cawthorn recounted what he called an invitation to an orgy, saying that he has been sexually solicited by Washington officials. He also claims to have witnessed hard drug use and what he called espionage. Okay. And of course, this drew the ire of fellow Republicans, including Kevin McCarthy, who, uh, what does he do? (laughs) He hangs out with his gay friend over there. Uh, They have the same hotel. Uh, Someone threw the name at me. Uh, Who was it? Who was it? Uh, Frank Lutz. uh, Luntz. So saith awakened mom. Thank you for all of the info, guys. I appreciate that. Uh, Frank Luntz uh, is uh, roommates with McCarthy. Lefty, lefty guy there, right? Uh, Left-leaning liberal, pretty much. Um, Yeah, yeah. Thumper Rose says the problem with claiming something is they are liable if they don't have evidence. Like, did you take a picture? Because uh, that probably would have helped you. Hey, Persnick, what's up? Yes, they are sick puppies indeed. Ed Buck was Adam Schiff's buddy way back to the Standard Hotel. Oh, yeah. You know, the Standard Hotels finally closed down, right? I mean, uh, they probably still do things there, but it's closed down to the general public now. Um, let's see here. Is this going to be a soft pass to Marjorie Taylor Greene? Let's hope she has guts, right? If, uh, if Cawthorn as an, uh, as a, a freshman, um, representative, uh, uh, received those types of invitations, you can just imagine, like, the passes that they made at Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? She, she probably took the pictures, right? Awakened mom. She probably, she's like, I'm gonna take pictures. <laughs> Jeez. Anyways, this is what McCarthy had to say. He said, I just told him he's lost my trust. He's going to have to earn it back. Oh, you see that? He lost the trust of Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy was like, I trust you that I can invite you to a cocaine-infused geriatric orgy and you won't say anything. So that means, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Madison Cawthorn, that you're probably not going to be invited. You're probably going to be extremely unpopular. And they probably won't include you in any of their activities for a while. Uh, I mean, uh, McCarthy just said, you've got to earn my trust back, right? What what on earth could Cawthorn do to earn back the trust of McCarthy? And at this point, is it worth it? I don't think so. I don't think it's worth it at all. I would just roll off into the sunset while you can... (laughs) And I don't mean leave Congress. I don't mean, you know, don't uh, go up for re-election. I just mean you might want to start separating yourself from these dingbats, uh, Mr. Cawthorn. It seems that he's already managed to uh, to uh, maintain his integrity, you know, and uh, that is far more dangerous than anything else to lose one's integrity, especially in Washington, D.C., okay? So McCarthy says, you can't do this again. I mean, he's got a lot of members very upset, okay? <laughs> you, Why would the members be upset? Like, why would they be upset? If they, okay, if anything, if these people were innocent of these claims made by Madison Cawthorn, you think they would laugh it off? 
You think they would laugh it off and they'd probably be like, oh, 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 silly little wheels. Uh, he's just spinning the wheels again, you know, talking about people doing cocaine and stuff like that. Why would they be upset? Why would anyone be upset at these claims? <laughs> there goes Madison spinning those wheels again about, you know, all of us getting together for, you know, gay cocaine infused orgies. It makes no sense why they would be so upset uh, unless they're guilty. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, and I think that that could be the case. All right. Uh, Cawthorne said, I've considered for several days how to best address this controversy. Uh, the culture in Washington is corrupt. Human nature is fallen. Compromising activities occur because when other people can place you in compromising positions, they control you. It's all about power. But my colleagues and I are fighting that corruption. Oh, big words. Big words, Cawthorn. It says, uh, he accused the left and the media of trying to use his words to divide the Republican Party. Uh, Cawthorn closes off by saying, I will not back down to the mob. I will not let them win. I will continue fighting for many years to come. It's just this time I'll be uh, I'll be uh, uh, passing around the, you know, the good old sniffing plate at the cocaine parties uh, because I would be the fastest one to get around. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is a sad, sad situation today. <laughs> was that a distraction or what was up with that? That was just... Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's terrible, guys. It's terrible. We don't trust McCarthy, no. Uh, it's interesting, all these people that seem like they're the good guys, right, always end up being the bad, bad, bad guys. Ladies and gentlemen, what is their problem is what I want to know. But anyway, so that was just kind of an icebreaker. <laughs> We spent a little bit of time on. Um, yeah. Oh, look at we got some. Okay. We got some breaking news from one two three SKG, and thank you for this as well. Uh, according to one two three SKG, Ghislaine Maxwell has been denied a new trial. Yeah. Okay. Cool. This is good. Finally. Finally, at least no one settled with Ghislaine, right? I just, I am still so miffed about uh, Virginia Roberts Jufri settling her case with Prince Andrew for what? Millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars? Still miffed. Still cannot believe this woman who claims to be so concerned about the hundreds and hundreds of victims, right? Uh, goes ahead and uh, uh, settles with Prince Andrew. But uh, hearing that Ghislaine Maxwell has been denied a new trial means that uh, their little their little um, their little mole there. It's juror number fifty five or whatever his number was. Juror number fifty. The guy they planted in there in order for him to lie and then you know have a mistrial did not work. Okay, so that means her sentencing is coming up next. I believe that's in June, if I'm not mistaken. In June. So that is, uh, that's good news indeed right there. That's good news. Uh, yep, sentencing. May it be fitting. Very much so. Very much so. Okay, awesome. Good, 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 good. All right, guys. So now we're going to jump into the meat of our show today. 
We have a few statements from President Trump, as per the usual. Uh, he, a lot of his statements are basically uh, just doubling down and tripling down on some of the uh, statements he's been making. A lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the January 6th committee. A lot of it has to do with the crime of the century. A lot of it has to do with the big lie, which is there was no fraud in the 2020 election. That's a big lie. Or, or there was, uh, this was the most secure and safe election ever. That's another big lie. So uh, I'm pretty sure you guys can guess where the rest of the evening will be going in that regard. We will be talking about uh, some stories. We're, we're going to focus on Arizona a lot tonight, guys. Again, an Arizona. Uh, I, I'm finally calling it, okay? I'm finally calling it. You know, I don't even give a hoot at this point, if Attorney General Mark Burnovich decides to start arresting everyone tomorrow, okay? Because this man has stressed me out so much. I've done lost all my hair, okay? <laughs> my back's gone crooked because I am waiting for Attorney General Mark Burnovich of Arizona to do something. So I'm calling it. The guy's a rhino, okay? Mark Burnovich is a rhino, a Republican in name only, a fake conservative, treasonous by any other definition. When you just, if you just know this man is just, just stalling. He's just waiting for the 22 to 24 months to pass. So this way they can erase all of their election data and it will all be for nothing. Okay. And in the meantime, with these other big distractions, we're not even paying attention to what's going on in Colorado. I mean, in Colorado, you know, uh, Jenna Griswold, the secretary of the state basically had the book flung at her face. Okay. She had the book thrown at her. Because of the efforts of the Gold Star mom, Tina Peters, in Colorado, Jenna Griswold got slapped upside the head silly with the law, ladies and gentlemen, and it is decided. She broke the law, okay, beyond a shadow of a doubt. But no one's going to talk about that because we have got to talk about Hunter Biden and his, uh, and his, um, you know, uh, his laptop from hell. Uh, and we need to talk about Russia and Ukraine. And we need to talk about how we're all thirsting after President Zelensky for his leather-esque, uh, warm leatherette, uh, high heel booty shake that he did. Not booty jig. I didn't say booty jig. He didn't jiggle his booty. I said booty shake. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, um, uh, Brnovich, Rhino. I'm, I'm putting him in that category at this point. Wendy Rogers is losing my attention too. Now, let's not forget Wendy Rogers was censored, right? Uh, and uh, so she can't really do a whole lot of much right now other than, I guess, campaign. Uh, we all know who we can thank for that, right? We all know who we can thank for that. Uh, it was the perfectly timed, perfectly placed... Uh, controlled opposition, psychological operation on America, right? Uh, uh, by, I just, you know, ridiculous. It's ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen, what happened in Arizona, or actually it was in Arizona. I don't know where they held their event. The whole point of the matter is, the whole point of the matter is, um, that 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 controlled opposition psyop served its purpose, okay, 
and it can just ride off into the sunset and uh, talk a whole bunch of gibberish and nothing at all, really. All it wants, I've been paying attention, and uh, that's basically all I got to say about that. Ladies and gentlemen, let's see what President Trump's statement for today goes. It's going to take us back to last month, guys, March 28th. We're, we're catching up here. So the radical left Democrats in Congress and the unselect committee continue to seek the destruction of lives of very good people, but have no interest in going after the criminals and thugs who cheated like mad dogs on the 2020 presidential election. Mad dog 2020. All right. All the evidence is in and conclusive, but they and the fake news media refuse to look at or report it. They call it the big lie, but the big lie is the exact opposite. They are the liars. They are the cheaters, and they are the ones who are destroying our country at the voting booths, the borders, the gas stations, with our military, our vets, foreign relations, and everywhere else. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com and be sure to follow us on our social medias truth social rumble twitch clout hub and pill.net indeed ladies and gentlemen indeed the big lie is as it is is as it is stated by president trump um in this uh remark from the 28th uh we all know this, okay? Uh, from the voting booths to the borders to the gas stations, with our military, our vets, our foreign relations, it's all being destroyed. <clears throat> and that's why, uh, what was that remark that someone had made? Oh, it was, uh, what, the president of uh, some Central American country. <laughs> Can't remember what to, what country. He said, you know, uh, for for a power so great to be destroyed so fast, it's almost as if though... The enemy work from within. And that's exactly what we've seen here, ladies and gentlemen. That's exactly what we've seen. Uh, let's move on to our next Trump statement coming to us from, oh, we're catching up to the 29th. While they say the January 6th was an attempted coup, which it was not, they should add to that the election on November 3 was the actual coup. All you have to do is look at the massive evidence in swing states available upon request. With much more to come, our country is paying a big price for that rigged election. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's that's the that's the big distraction right there, guys. It's it's got to be over the election fraud. You know, we're going to go over another report on election fraud a little later on tonight, guys. Um, which, which incidentally, I think, uh, uh, one of the, um, one of the outlets that we're going to be referring to that, uh, report, they have an interesting spin on the election fraud, right? They, they, they happen to think 
that um, the Dominion machines, okay, the Dominion machines, that that was a distraction, okay, which could set us off into an entirely different tailspin if the Dominion machines and the voter fraud happening with Dominion was indeed a distraction from the real voter fraud, which has been laid out in cases in Georgia and in Wisconsin, and now by this brand shiny new report on election fraud, then what would that mean about everyone that was involved in trying to prove that the Dominion machines were in fact hackable and were used to steal the election, flip the votes as it were, from President Trump to illegitimate joke Joe Biden, okay? Now, that's something else, guys. That could turn your head upside down if you had no sense of discernment and you just, uh, you know, kind of uh, went along willy-nilly with whatever narrative came across your way, you know, you know just being a doormat for other people's uh, beliefs and, uh, and storylines. Uh, that would mean that what? The uh, Dominion machine is a distraction. It, it never should have been. The real voter fraud is found in other ways with other means. So what? Sidney Powell was a distraction. What? Uh, Rudy Giuliani was a distraction. Uh, you know, uh, the Arizona audit in regards to the machines is a distraction. No, that makes absolutely no sense. So I would have to say that I most definitely disagree with the assessment of that particular journal. And we're going to look at the article. Don't worry. You're going to say, I'm not just talking, you know, well, we're actually going to look at it. Um, but I would have to say that it is a part of the overall and total fraud that occurred, the theft that occurred, the crime that occurred in regard to the 2020 general election, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, <clears throat> just way too much information, right, coming out these days. This is what they say that uh, World War Three was actually, well, I guess they say Cold War was, you know, World War Three, but uh uh, World War Four was a an information war, okay, right, and that means World War Five would be uh, Russia blowing everyone up to uh, Kingdom Come or something like that, you know, which I also don't, you know, I also don't get, you know, if anybody out there, if anybody out there is telling you something like you want war, okay, say they're like they're a hard nosed Republican right? But they're the future of the Republican Party and they want war, okay? That's how you know you're watching a shill operation, okay? You are watching a controlled opposition psychological operation on patriots of a particular demograph that are um, uh, feeble-minded enough to go along with it because they're, who knows what they're watching for? Who knows why they're paying attention to such trash? I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just saying, be mindful of the people who are calling for violence, right? We've made it this far, guys. We've made it this far. I don't see why we can't go the extra mile or two to ensure that it doesn't have to go that way, you know? And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about people who are at their, their bitter end, okay? I'm not talking about people who are like, we've reached our end, the rope is just, the, it's right there, and now it's time to act. No, that day might come, okay? That day might come. 
uh, when we're talking about what food shortages and we're talking about like what these gas prices, etc. We're talking about massive runaway inflation. We're talking about a collapsed economy, you know, and people are at their ends meet. Yes, uh, very safe to say that, you know, things might turn uh, kinetic. Right. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that just get up on and they just gloat about love for violence and love for war. And we're not even there yet. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Big difference. Okay. So there was this interesting story that came out that I thought I would share with you guys that kind of piggybacks on what uh, President Trump's statements were saying. Now, it's very, very unfortunate. Um, The things that are happening with the political prisoners in Washington, D.C. that were involved in the, uh, uh, the supposed riot at the Capitol. We call it the January 6th false flag riot, of course, because that's what it was, right? 100%. Um, but uh, but uh, hey, Katie Man 63 what's going on? Good to see ya. Katie Man says, I think lots of methods were used. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're referring to, of course, the election fraud. Yeah, lots of methods were used. It was not just one thing or the other. But, you know, like the article that we'll look at later on, they they kind of like uh, they kind of poo poo the entire um, um, the entire uh, Dominion situation, which I don't know. Maybe that's uh, done for a reason. Uh, maybe this person, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you, but uh, we'll, we'll take a look at it a little bit later. Uh, but now this January 6th in a thing, you know, that they're going after so many people on this, right? Uh, including, as we'll be talking about later on with uh, Arizona in regards to them, uh, Mark Fincham, etc., uh, you know, they are going after the people who had alternate electors, alternate slates of electors. Uh, we know at least what, at least six or seven states sent up alternate slates of electors in the event that Mike Pence had actually done his constitutional duty, uh, that they would have those alternate electors ready to go. Okay. Uh, apparently, though, uh, in this investigation, this witch hunt against President Trump, you know, we had this one scenario where the January 6th unselect committee found out that there was a seven hour gap in the phone call log for the White House, uh, wherein President Trump would be making his phone call. So they assumed that uh, he must be hiding something from them. Right. So uh, that was this I was going to share with you guys real quick as we moved on into the rest of the night. Internal White House records from the day of the attack on the United States Capitol, false flag, that were turned over to the House Unselect Committee show a gap in President Donald Trump's uh, phone logs of 7 hours and 37 minutes, including the period when the building was being violently assaulted, according to documents obtained by the Washington Compost. Violently assaulted, right, by Antifa and BLM and other FBI PATCON uh, types of activities. The lack of an official White House notation of any calls placed to or by Trump for 457 minutes on January 6th, that is from 11.17 a.m. to 6.54 p.m., means the committee has no record of his phone conversation as his supporters descended on the Capitol battled overwhelmed police and forcibly entered the building. Of course, we've all seen the video, guys. We all know that for the most part, 
they were corralled and invited into the capital. Anyways, it says it prompted uh, lawmakers and uh, then Vice President Mike Pence to flee for safety. The 11 pages of records, which consists of the president's official daily diary and the White House switchboard call logs, were turned over by the National Archives earlier this year to the House Unselect Committee investigating the January 6th false flag attack. The records show that Trump was active on the phone for part of the day, documenting conversations that he had with at least eight people in the morning and 11 people in that evening. The seven-hour gap also stands in stark contrast to the extensive public record reporting, uh, uh, extensive public re- reporting about phone conversations he had with allies during the attack, such as a call Trump made to Senator Mike Lee of Utah seeking to talk to Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, and a phone conversation he had with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California. The House panel is now investigating whether Trump communicated that day through the back channels, phone aid, phones of aides or personal disposable phones, known as burner phones, according to two people with knowledge of the probe, who, like others interviewed for this report, spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive information, which we all know is just a bunch of BS, right? Anytime they do this anonymity crap, or this, what? Oh, the president has a burner phone. Okay, the president's a drug dealer now. Like that makes absolutely no sense. <coughs> why would he need a burner phone? And why would anyone assume that that would uh, protect his uh, conversations? Right? It's just ridiculous. So they have this theory out there now, right? That uh, just like uh, who was it, Nixon or whatever. He was, uh, he was hiding information, right? Very, very bad. Very, very bad. That's, that's you know, the, the extent of this investigation has gotten to this point, ladies and gentlemen. They can't find anything wrong uh, or any wrongfully committed actions on this day. And they're still going after President Donald J. Trump in this regard. Ridiculous. But fortunately, this story has been quashed. All right. It's been debunked by their own people. Okay. Uh, this is actually from the worst of the worst communist news network. Official review of Trump phone logs from January 6th finds that uh, uh, finds a record is complete. Okay. Record is complete. And uh, let's see here. Uh, We're not going to entertain the entirety of this article, but just enough to, you know, uh, to where they they don't need to redact it or retract it, but they're definitely not going to say anything. They're just going to say this. Uh, In the seven hours during which White House records show no phone calls to or from then-President Donald Trump on January 6, 2021, among the calls that are conspicuously absent is one Trump made to then-President Mike Pence, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. Mm. Pardon me. That morning from the Oval Office, while the call is not specifically noted in the presidential diary or the presidential call logs, its existence has been corroborated by multiple sources who were with Trump and Pence that day, including former aides who testified before the House Select Unselect Committee investigating the U.S. Capitol attack. And it's not the only call Trump is known to have made in that time frame that is not reflected in the records. The mystery of the seven-hour gap has fueled furious speculations as to why calls are missing. That includes allegations that Trump was using burner phones which he has denied. Look, they have to put that there, which he has denied. 
I mean, obviously, you know, you're going <laughs> to... Uh, it's not wit to, uh, upon which he has told the truth. No, he's denied it. Trump does not use burner phones. This drug dealer in the White House, right? Oh, we got a drug dealer in the White House right now, and his name is Joe Biden, okay? And, and formerly the Clintons were as well, okay? Uh, but the gap might have a less mysterious explanation. So in other words, you can stop being paranoid, Dear left-leaning liberals, you can stop being paranoid. Uh, it says, according to multiple sources familiar with Trump's phone behavior and the White House switchboards, the January 6th log reflects Trump's typical phone habits. He mainly placed calls through the switchboard when he was in the residence, but rarely used it when he was in the Oval Office. The fact the log does not show calls on January 6, 2021 from the Oval Office is not unusual said the sources, because Trump typically had staff either place calls directly for him on landlines or cell phones. Those calls would not be noted in the switchboard log. You see, they were just, they were just uh, chasing after the wind, ladies and gentlemen. They were doing a total Pocahontas thing here, guys, chasing after the wind, okay? That's what this boils down to. It's ridiculous, Okay. It says there are no missing pages and the seven hour gap is likely explained by the use of White House landlines, White House cell phones and personal cell phones that do not go through the switchboard. OK, someone got an idea and they're like, oh, this is what it's got to be. It's got to be that President Trump was using burner phones because he's apparently some type of, you know, drug dealer. And uh, and he doesn't want to be tracked, traced, or followed. Ridiculous. Absolutely, positively ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen. Yet another nothing burger at the hands of the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile, legacy media. Okay. Uh, I think this is the last statement we have from President Trump for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. It says, so let's get this straight. The Democrats commit massive and overwhelming voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. And they want the Republicans to go to jail for investigating and protesting a very crooked election. Republicans must get tough and smart and not let them get away with the crime of the century. So a lot of the same just happening here. <laughs> Russian burner phones, says Tam Growl. Very funny, right? Russian burner phones. <laughs> but indeed, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, a lot of reiteration here, guys. Uh, that's that's what it's going to take in some instances. A lot of reiteration uh, about the facts, about the things that are true, about uh, in the face and in, in fighting the lies and deception that the left is putting up in this regard. Um, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I am so proud that we have not gotten as a whole so angered by these things that we went out and just took matters into our own hands. Indeed, there is a silver lining, at least in my opinion. You guys know I am an everlasting optimist. And I believe that things will turn out right. I mean, we've waited and fought and waited and prayed this long. Why would we turn our backs on that method of existing now? 
Okay. Now, take, for example, this instance, this new story that's coming up has to do with masks on. Get those masks off this plane. Okay, this is kind of what I'm saying. For the last time, no more masks on the plane. And it's not just the plane. I know I have this, uh, uh, um, this, this what makes no sense whatsoever, right? Because the first thing that we were told in regards to these masks, it just, it makes no sense. Okay, it never made sense to begin with. COVID-19, coronavirus, uh, you know, um, uh, disease, uh, 2019, whatever, okay? This this whole thing planned, right? Pandemic. Um, we were told that planes were the safest place to be with no masks. Because why? Because they use these uh, high, ultra, you know, specific uh, air filters, that means you could sit in your little sardine can of an airplane side by side, shoulder to shoulder with another passenger and not have to worry about COVID-19. Okay. Now, after all of this, now, after all of this, <laughs> uh, planes, a public transport, you are still required to wear a mask. You still got to wear a mask. Too bad. So sad. They're not going to let you get away with it. Yes, masks on the planes. <laughs> get these damn masks off this damn plane, okay? <laughs> Fortunately, ladies and gentlemen, uh, at least for those who still suffer public transportation, um, and ride on planes, uh, this, this may be coming to an end soon. I mean, basically everything COVID is over. Okay. Uh, this is, this is again, reason, another reason why they needed their war in, uh, Ukraine and with Russia, because let's face it, the economy is not doing well. Okay. Fiat currency and the central banks are not doing well. They very well need, some type of a distraction. Uh, they can't do their great reset like they wanted to because uh, COVID's over. All right. Uh, Fauci, well, you know, Fauci's, he's going to have his day. I'm pretty sure, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and uh, they can't do it. You know, even Putin said, you know, the, the uh, mere idea, the thought of a centralized global world government is no more. Okay. He said it himself. He said it to their face. Okay. He might not have been face to face with them. He might have been doing it, you know, via uh, telecommunications, but uh, he still said it to their face. Guys, no moss, no more, no moss, no more, no moss. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but uh, so we have this story up here now, guys. 21 states sue to block the mask mandate on public transport from happening again. You know what? Just make it go away. Okay, we're done and tired of it. Masks are only good for covering up the coffee breath, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this article here says 21 states on Tuesday sued the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and other federal agencies to end the country's much-debated mask mandate on public transportation. The suit filed in the United States District Court for the Middle District of Florida argues that the federal mandate exceeds the CDC's authority and interferes with state laws banning forced masking. 
Florida has led the nation in standing up to misguided federal government policies and fighting back against heavy-handed mandates that have no scientific backing. So saith Ron DeSantis, a Florida governor, in a press release announcing the action. Uh, Ron DeSantis went on to say, if politicians and celebrities can attend the Super Bowl unmasked, every United States citizen should have the right to fly unmasked. It is well past time to get rid of this unnecessary mandate and get back to normal life. Ladies and gentlemen, the complaint which names as defendants the CDC, the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Transportation Security Administration, as well as that of the heads of each agency, seeks to end the mandate on public transportation and establish a permanent injunction against its enforcement. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we can take a look at the actual um, lawsuit, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see, it says, In January 2021, the CDC ordered that masks be worn on all forms of public transport, including planes, trains, and automobiles, no, just kidding, boats and buses, as well as in all transportation hubs, such as airports and subway stations. Yes, we've known this for quite some time. We've experienced it ourselves. Here's a look at that lawsuit. So you can see all the states who are joining Florida in this lawsuit. You got uh, Florida, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Utah, Virginia, West Virginia. Where the hell is Texas? Okay, A.G. Uh, A.G. Uh, Paxton, where? Why are you not on this lawsuit, Paxton? I would like to know. Okay, uh, Rochelle P. Walensky, Sherry A. Berger, Javier Basera. Okay, those are the names of the heads of these uh, these organizations that are being sued. David Pekoski, mm-hmm, yep, Alejandro Mayorkas, right, all these people being sued. Uh, since the COVID-19 pandemic began, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has made unprecedented assertions of power. Indeed, they have, okay? It has done so principally under 42 U.S.C., U.S. Code 264, a statute authorizing traditional quarantine measures directly related to preventing the interstate spread of disease by identifying, isolating, and destroying the disease itself. Of course, they never really identified or isolated what's part of COVID-19, as we have come to know. The CDC has relied on this statute, for example, to prohibit um, evictions nationwide, to shut down the nation's cruise industry for over a year, and to impose economy-wide mask requirements, including for toddlers as young as two at transportation hubs and while traveling on non-private conveyances, which include aircrafts, trains, road vehicles, and ships. When an agency claims to discover in a long-extent statute an unheralded power to regulate a significant portion of the American economy, courts typically greet its announcement with a measure of skepticism. For that reason, the government has been largely unsuccessful in defending its reading of uh, Statute 264. Uh, even after facing loss after loss in federal court, however, the Biden administration has displayed a remarkable level of intransigence. 
For example, the CDC renewed the eviction moratorium after five justices of the Supreme Court signaled it was unlawful and after the president stated publicly that it would not be renewed in light of the Supreme Court's decision. Similarly, the CDC for months continued to apply its cruise industry restrictions outside of Florida, even after a court in this division preliminarily enjoined them within Florida and even after Alabama Association of Realtors left the CDC with no plausible defense of them, the CDC instead took three extensions totaling 181 days of the briefing deadline in its appeal and then dismissed that appeal once the restrictions expired. The only plausible interference from the CDC's behavior is that the agency hoped to enforce its plainly unlawful actions for as long as possible while evading judicial review. Okay. So they are going to uh, see that this mask thing is done with on public transport. I can't wait, ladies and gentlemen. I can't wait. Because it is just getting so old and annoying, you know. Uh, but I think I think the most oldest and annoying thing about it are those who seek to self... What's the word? Self-regulate, right? They self-regulate... We're talking about the lefty, lefty, leaning, leaning, leaning ones. You know, they definitely self-regulate. It's uh, it's what part of the plan was, you know, guys. Like, that was part of the plan. They're like, well, we can't uh, pass a lot of this stuff legally or constitutionally. So we'll just leave it up to the ignorance and the fear of the people out there to regulate the public for us. And we still see that down to this day, guys. We still see it happening to this day. Just take a Lyft or an Uber somewhere and you will see for yourself that while they are not many, while they are few, they are still out there. Ladies and gentlemen, they are still out there. It's a crazy, crazy, crazy time. But hopefully this will get passed. I think uh, that will be definitely something worth, worth happening. Another silver lining, ladies and gentlemen, to be aware of. Not let that, uh, you know, hold us back or hold us down in any way at all whatsoever. Okay, guys, so let's get into Arizona and the election audit. We've got a little bit of stuff to cover here. Now, a lot of this stuff is going to be slightly dated. But again, guys, we're still pretty timely here at the C-Report. And uh, we like to be as thorough as possible. I'm not talking about, you know, the philosopher and existentialist. I am just saying we like to be thorough. Um, so uh, what's been going on in Arizona, y'all? Uh, do you guys know? Are you guys aware? Uh, we've had Brnovich making moves that amount to a hill of beans. Okay. And we finally had the, uh, the cyber report come up that we've all been waiting for. And admittedly, there was something else that I was wanting to look up before I went on the air with this. And I just totally forgot about it until right now. Um, Shadeg. Uh, let's see if this is the guy. Yeah, that's the one. All right. That's the one. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll go with that for now. But, uh, uh, so they finally released this report. Okay. Now I kind of referenced it, I think last Friday, if not last Thursday, uh, cause this is what we've been waiting for guys. This is what we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for, uh, this John Shadegg, the so-called special master 
right, or whatever the heck his name was, to reveal unto us the report that had to deal with what? The router information, the Splunk logs, etc. in Arizona. Now, if any of you guys know anything, then you happen to know that it did not turn out as well as one might have hoped it to turn out, okay? It, 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 it basically was uh, a total um, antithetical, anticlimactic nothing burger, okay? Which, personally speaking, you know, I'm not um, technically or mechanically um, versed in any of this type of stuff, but it just does not seem to add up at all ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't seem to add up at all. So of course, what we're talking about is the Maricopa County Election Network, right? That special master, John Shadegg, had been hired to cover. Uh, so what was the inner working of this basically? Okay. What was the inner working of this basically? Basically, you would have IT experts hired by Maricopa County um, answering questions that were given to them by the Arizona Senate in regards to these routers, okay, uh, and uh, what it was, who it was, where it was, that any of that information went. Let's take a look at this article here, just for a refresher, from the Rose Law Group. Let's go ahead and pop that over into Immersive. It says, the Senate hired John Shadegg for the election audit he wants votes on a disputed bill. Okay, so it says here, the person providing independent oversight of the final phase of the state Senate's ballot review is also lobbying senators on a hotly debated bill at the legislature, raising questions of whether the two roles create a conflict. John Shadig was hired last fall as part of an agreement between Senate Republicans and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors to resolve a standoff over a review of the county's routers and internet logs as they pertain to the 2020 presidential election. In his role as a special master, Shadig serves as a neutral party to oversee an examination of that equipment. So you see, he, oh, sorry, guys, I didn't realize you were watching me read. You see, he was there simply to oversee their work, okay? He was not there to do any type of investigation himself, all right? Very sketch, if you ask me. Now, it says here, um, earlier this year, Shadegg also registered as a lobbyist to represent Salt River Project as it seeks legislative approval for a bill that would eliminate competition for state utilities. Shadegg, a former U.S. congressman, said he saw no conflict in his dual roles, but said he sought advice from an ethics attorney before turning to his various employers for additional guidance. Both the Senate and the county, as well as SRP, told the Arizona Republic they see no conflict. Uh, county officials declined to comment. The audit of the Mar Maricopa County ballots from the 2020 general election continues July 24, 2021, in the Wesley Bolin building at the Arizona State Fairgrounds, Phoenix, Arizona. However, Maricopa County Supervisor Steve Gallardo called Shadig's situation troublesome. He's going to be trying everything possible to make Karen Fan happy, Gallardo said, referring to the Supreme to the Senate president who commissioned the review of how the county conducted the 2020 election. Gallardo noted that he was speaking for himself and not for the board of supervisors. Gallardo was also out. He was one of the ones that dropped out, guys, uh, kind of left, 
Gallardo was. Um, let's see here. So, well, there you have that with John Shattig. Okay. <clears throat> let's see if we got any more on Shattig uh, before we get into this thing here. Uh, news about John Shadig. Shadig has long-standing conservative credentials going all the way back to Senator Barry Goldwater, the conservative hero who ran for president in 1964. He represented Arizona in the United States House of Representatives from 95 to 2011. In the early 2000s, Shadig served as chairman of the Republican Study Committee. He joined the race for House Majority Leader in 2006 as a compromise between Representative Roy Blunt and Representative John Boehner, um, National Review, the Club for Growth, the Arizona Republic, and Red State all supported his bid. The Arizona Republic supported him. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Shadig opposed Obamacare early on, called for the investigation of the Council on American-Islamic Relations, and opposed a deadline for withdrawal of troops from Iraq. He also championed the Enumerated Powers Act, a measure that requires any bill passed by Congress to explicitly state where the Constitution gives Congress the power to make that law. Some good stuff, some not so good stuff there, guys. John Shaddock told our reporter today that he's considering a run as well. I'm all about the fight for freedom. It really is what gets me out of bed in the morning, so I'd be foolish not to give it serious thought, talk to my family and figure out, is this right thing to do? And is the this the right time to do it? He said. Okay. So Shadig, 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 Shadig. Seems to be a uh, I don't know a John McCain Republican. Maybe not since he opposed Care, right? C A I R. Uh, but he nevertheless was elected as the special master for this process. Now, this is what they found. Maricopa County Election Network includes large claims that appear impossible to substantiate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final report from Maricopa County covering the routers and Splunk logs related to the 2020 election was released on Wednesday. The results were puzzling as the auditors make broad statements that would be impossible to confirm. Um, it gives you a little bit of the back, uh, the backup, um, back history, which we already know. September 2021, Maricopa County Senate agreed to have Sh a Shadig be their special master to oversee the audit of the router and the Splunk logs related to the 2020 election. Uh, according to the Gateway Pundit, they had their concerns about Shadig because he comes from the political era where John McCain was king in Arizona. And as we all know, John McCain hated President Trump. And we have noticed that those who hate President Trump sometimes carry that bias into what they do. So we have a copy of the entire report. We'll take a look at it in just a sec. Uh, this was kind of some of the analysis that was coming off of the Gateway Pundit. They said the uh, report provides some information on the auditors and the work performed and then says everything is fine. On page 18 of the report, the auditors provide their conclusion. In this conclusion, the auditors claim the following based on a high level of confidence with respect to the information that they reviewed. Now, here's what I got to say about that, guys, is that when we look at this report, 
you are going to see plain and clearly that unlike other reports and audits that we have covered here at the C-Report, whether it was Colorado's, whether it was Wisconsin's, whether it was Arizona's uh, first audit report, um, they not only made a statement or a confirmation, but they actually showed you the proof behind that statement or that claim, okay? This report does not do that. This report simply says, uh, no, these machines cannot be connected to the internet, and that's it. There's nothing behind it to prove that they did any kind of work or how they assess that to be a fact, right? And every other report that we have studied, reviewed, read from here at the C-Report, they always, always give you the long form of work, you know. Uh, they don't just make a statement, okay? They don't just make a statement. They give you the proof that's in the put-in whenever you eat it. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> uh, let's see here. There are two separate computer networks that comprise the Maricopa County election network. One exclusively stores and maintains registration records and information only OET. The other tabulates election results only. This is the BTC. It is physically and electronically separated from the outside. The BTC is monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and is accessible only by authorized personnel with key card access. There is no electronic connection between the BTC and the MCTCE, TEC, either wired or through a wireless protocol. Okay, so show me the work, right? They also claim that there are no routers in the BTC. They say that no Splunk logs were available for review of the BTC network within the MCTEC because none were generated and as described above. Uh, it's, it, this is all a cop-out to me um, based on uh, these general statements. Okay, so Gateway Pundit has a response to that. When the auditors say there are no routers in the BTC, it is very suspicious. There should be some sort of routers or how else would the BTC address addresses be provided? Okay, so claim, simple claims, a simple logic, right? Because that was point number two, right? There are no routers in the BTC. Okay, how is that possible? Computers run off routers, you know? Unless they have a very long hard wire right? And then just use uh, Wi-Fi signals from that point. It makes, I mean, but you wouldn't do that. That makes no sense to do that. You know, it makes no sense. Um, let's take a look at that report. So you guys can get a sense of what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. Uh, it says here, answers to Senate questions regarding Maricopa County uh, election network. Okay. So summary of process and answers, uh, pursuant to an agreement between the Arizona state Senate and Maricopa County, the parties, uh, a special master was designated by the parties to review and answer certain questions posed by the state Senate relating to the conduct of the 2020 general election and the security of the county's election network by examining the routers and Splunk logs, which were part of that network. The special master was authorized to hire up to three independent computer security experts 
and answer the Senate's questions, this document sets forth and explains the answers to those questions. I might say they do so in a way that is by no means thorough and involved. Uh, the task assigned as part of its audit of the Maricopa County 2020 general election, the Arizona State Senate sought to examine the equipment used by the county to tabulate the votes cast in the election, including the county's routers and certain log files, Splunk logs. The county objected to such an examination on the basis that the county's routers and log files contain unrelated information that could lead to the disclosure of confidential private and protected data access, which is strictly limited by law. Again, that makes no sense because you don't keep data in a router. Yeah, that's just not the way it works. Okay. And yet we're all, we're all stupid now. Right. And we all just go along with it. It just, it, that ladies and gentlemen, that. Uh, the county turned over its election management equipment, including its tabulating machines and other equipment, but not its routers and Splunk logs. Following an extended legal dispute in which the court upheld the Senate subpoenas, an out-of-court settlement agreement was reached, whereby the parties jointly agreed to the appointment of a special master. Okay. Uh, so, limited scope of the inquiry and answers. We're not going to go through that. It just talks about the questions that they had. And I believe we have those questions here as well. Uh, let's see. Special master and experts. The agreement by the parties designated former Congressman John Shadegg, working with up to three technical experts to coordinate the process whereby answers will be provided to questions the Senate has concerning the county's routers and spunk logs as they relate to the November 3rd, 2020 general election. Okay. Uh, so... It, it claims that Shadick had extensive knowledge of the Arizona election process. Okay. It claims that. Um, and that also uh, apparently election litigation as well. Okay. Uh, so uh, he used um, Brad Rhodes of Colorado, Gannon University, Andrew Keck of Ohio, and Jane Jin, Cyber Threat Intelligence Network of Delaware. Okay, so those are the people that he chose. Now, here are some of their questions. Um, the topic, the 2020 general election, the time period, October 7th uh, through November 20th, 2022. And uh, the equipment and data, the Maricopa County routers and managed switches and Splunk logs. Okay. You know, this makes no sense. The questions are limited to the time period between October 7th, 2022 and November 2020, 2022. Is this a, a, a misprint? Is that a typo? Shouldn't that be 2021 or 2020 even? I mean, you'd think it'd be at least 2020, right? Why does it say 2022? And is that the reason why they could not give any data? Because there was, obviously there is no computer data for 2022 of October 7th. We haven't even gotten that far in our lives yet, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, did, did anyone realize this? Did anyone see that? Is that a misprint, a typo? Is that basically why they couldn't give them any information? Who sent over that question, right? Who sent over that question? Uh, in answer to your question, Tam Growl, it says here that... Uh, Shadig had extensive knowledge of Arizona's election process, having advised the Secretary of State's Office on Election Matters and represented it in election litigation. So I would say that is a yes. He worked with the Secretary of State's Office. Uh, 
I wonder if it was uh, Ken. Ken, what's that guy's name? Ken, what's his face? Uh, he was the uh, spokesperson liaison, Ken, Ken Bennett. Another snake in the grass, I might add. Another one who is uh, a rhino. Uh, but yeah, so th- th- this is what they're going through, the time period of October 2022 to November 2022. Like, I just really want to know, guys. I just really want to know. Did they really do that? Did that? Is that really the case? That's insane. It is also important to note that the questions refer specifically to the routers and Splunk logs in the election network. A router is in an electronic device which organizes and directs communications between computer networks. They even defined it here themselves, y'all. A router is an electronic device which organizes and directs communications between commuter networks. It does not store data, okay? It does not store data. It might keep a record of where that data went to and from, but it does not store names, birth dates, social security numbers, driver's license or ID numbers. It doesn't do any of that. Whether they're, uh, you know, what what race or ethnicity people are, whether they voted Republican or Democrat, it doesn't do that. It takes data packets from devices and directs them where they need to go. So how was this some sort of a uh, threat, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen? They allow computers to access the internet or request files from a server. A Splunk log is a centralized record or log that serves as an analysis tool for machine-generated data from multiple sources. Ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen. So anyways, the, um, the report goes on in this manner, guys, just as so. I want to show you guys the... Uh, I want to show you guys their answer to their questions, right? Answer to Senate questions one through three. That's not what we're looking at, though. So here, question three. Do the routers or Splunk logs contain any evidence of data deletion, data purging, data overriding, or other destruction of evidence or obstruction of the audit? The answer from the BTC The special master and expert panel found no evidence of data deletion, data purging, data overriding, or other destruction of evidence or obstruction of the audit. Answer from the OET. The special master and expert panel found no evidence of data deletion, data purging, data overriding, or other destruction. All they did was use complete sentences. They don't give you any, they don't give you any type of proof. Like, how would you show proof of that right there, guys? How would you show proof of that? You would show... Uh, a printed um, a printed form or a printed whatever of the Splunk log, right? Of that captured um, a piece of information. You would show date and time. You would show that, uh, you know, several lines of date and time to show that nothing was deleted, to show that that action did not occur. I need to see the receipts, okay? I'm not just going to listen to your full, complete sentence declaratively speaking and just believe it okay i need to see the actual form i need to see the actual data that can show beyond a shadow of a doubt that nothing was erased and that is the way that this entire thing goes on okay that is that's basically the scope of their investigation and this report okay it gets i mean it's it's worse than that guys like 
Questions from the Senate. Is there any evidence that routers, uh, that the routers or managed switches in the election network or election devices have connected to the public internet? The special master and expert panel found no evidence that the routers managed switches, uh, manager switches and election devices connected to the internet. Okay, that's it. They don't give you any data to back up that statement. Okay. The special master and expert panel were allowed access to the Maricopa County Tabulation and Election Center, MCTEC, and the Ballot Tabulation Center, BTC. There are no routers or managed switches or Splunk logs in the BTC. The special master and expert panel determined that the air gap provides the necessary isolation from the public internet and in fact is in a self-contained environment. There are no wired or wireless connections in or out of the ballot tabulation center. There are no routers, Splunk logs, or internet connections in the BTC. As such, the evidence of the election network and election uh, devices cannot connect to the public internet. On-site walkthrough of election board office, oral briefing by Scott Jarrett. Okay, that is it. That is it, guys. That's all that you will get from them. You don't get any forms. You don't get any paperwork. You don't get any diagrams. You get, oh, we did an on-site walkthrough, and we also had an oral briefing by Scott Jarrett. Whoever the hell Scott Jarrett is, right? Makes no sense. And This is what they've settled with, guys. This is what they settled with, a generic um, report, a very, a very shallow report, right? Very shallow report. In preparing and in supporting uh, of your answer to each of the foregoing questions, please consider and explain whether each of the following supports or undermines your previous answers and further provide copies of each of the following. Output from the show clock detail command. Not applicable. No routers or Splunk logs. Specific data um, not available for the time frame scoped. Such data is only valuable if it is examined at the time in question. The special master and expert panel were not present during the 2020 elections and therefore cannot examine output from the clock show clock detail. This is is a cop-out, ladies and gentlemen. I know nothing about nothing about this type of work, and you can tell it's a cop-out. N-A, no router or Splunk logs. This is a cop-out, guys. It's a terrible, terrible miscarriage of justice. What can I say? I don't think I can say much more about it, guys. But there it is. We've been waiting for, like, what? almost uh, a year. Actually, it was a little less than that. It was like six months, but we waited for like half a year for this report. And that's all that we got. That's all that we got. And they don't even show you their work. They just expect you to believe what it is that they have to say. Ridiculous. Okay. All right, guys, we're almost finished with up for tonight. Uh, Who do we got here? Here we got pictured um, uh, one, uh, two doofuses, two doofuses. We got Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of Snakes, and we got uh, uh, Attorney General Mark Burnovich. Now, this admittedly is a photo uh, when they were, you know, uh, strapping young men, right? I mean, Katie Hobbs is a lesbian anyways, and she's, she's got her Sonic the Hedgehog spiked lesbian hair going on. And uh, Mark Burnovich just looks like a doofus. I don't know. Okay, let's we'll we'll update that photo there. Okay, all right, much better. Is that better? That's better, right? Now we got Burnovich the way we know him. 
the sleeping bear the sleeping bear of uh of Arizona that's doing nothing in regards to uh the travesty that we just experienced covering that Maricopa County Splunk Log and Routers report, okay? And then of course we got uh Katie Hobbs. Now Katie Hobbs and Bernovich have been kind of at each other's throats the last few weeks or so. Uh, of course, they have this uh, election portal system that the Secretary of State is in charge of ensuring that it is up and running. And if not, that it has a substitute or a replacement in the event that it goes down. Now, the entire thing about this reporting system is uh, has to do with the collection of signatures that a candidate will require to make it onto the ballot for the elections in Arizona. Now, Katie Hobbs was very well aware that this was the case. She knew that there was going to be a lot, and we're not talking about statewide, we're talking about legislative, we're talking about, uh, you know, um, uh, hometown, you know, a state legislator, not like federal based. Um, but Katie Hobbs knew very well, as all the Democrats do, as all of the left-leaning liberals do, that there would be such a turnout for Republicans, conservatives in uh, the 2022 elections that they're they're pulling out all the stops from gerrymandering to changing um, changing uh, changing boundaries for um, you know precincts and uh, 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 different portions of the voting um, body uh, constituency, uh, doing all these types of tricks to ensure. That anyone who is, you know, part of wanting to uh, run for election, run for office that happens to be Republican or conservative will have a very slim chance. Now, Katie Hobbs did something pretty nasty and she shut down the portal so that these people could not get their signatures in on time to qualify to make the ballot crazy, guys. Now, she she put out a word that she was going to be doing this. And so Bernovich caught wind of it. And Bernovich, well, Bernovich decided to go ahead and uh, he was going to sue her. No, he was going to throw the book at her, right? He was like, you, you are going to get into trouble. You can't be doing this. That is breaking the law. So um, we have uh, little Miss Katie Schnobs over here uh, uh, running to her, um, um, uh, her judicial backers, right? Trying to put an injunction against this. So this way she can break the law and she won't get in trouble for it. Bernovich was like, well, you're going to get in trouble for it. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to um, indict you based on breaking the law. Hey, Subpack Vet, what's up? Thanks for dropping the cookies. Much appreciated. Uh, always a good show. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. Glad to see you in the audience there. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, Awaken Mom says, hiding information. It's been going on forever. Half-truths, yep. And uh, Tam Grawl says, are those the logs they delete? I don't doubt it. I don't doubt. You know, we know someone deleted the logs in Arizona. They have it on film. They have the woman, the, the time and the date of when it happened. And yet somehow this is just. Bernovich is a rhino. OK, that's all I got to say. Uh, uh, he I don't know how he thinks he's going to run for U.S. Senate and make it considering his uh considering uh, what's going on in Arizona right now. I just, I don't understand how Bernovich thinks he's gonna make it here. Here, look at them real quick while I do something technical. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. 
we don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the C report. And thanks y'all. But there you go guys, there's Bernovich and Katie Hobbs. So anyhow, sorry I had to do that to you guys. I was resetting my clock over here. Uh, so where do we go from here, guys? Uh, well, Katie Hobbs went ahead and shut it down, right? She shut it down, the portal, for signatures. So uh, she's been referred by uh, Attorney General Brnovich um, to uh, the Cochise or Cochis. Cochise County Attorney's Office. Um, So basically, he's going to throw the law at her. Now, if anyone saw this headline and it said, uh, A.G. Brnovich is throwing the book at Katie Hobbs for election fraud. And everyone was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. He's talking about, oh, it's about time. He's going to make her do the perp walk for, you know, certifying an invalid election, etc., that, my friends, unfortunately, is not the case. Okay, it's about this. It's about this portal shutdown. Okay, Brnovich is doing everything except for what he needs to be doing regarding the 2020 election fraud. He's a rhino. I'm done with Brnovich. I'm done with him. Anyways, it says here a delegation of Attorney General's powers regarding taking down the Secretary of State's equal system for legislative and congressional candidates. Dear County Attorney McIntyre, I am writing to delegate my powers as Arizona Attorney General to you to investigate and take any appropriate enforcement actions, civil and criminal, regarding the Secretary of State's taking down of the online equal system beginning on or about March 17, 2022. The scope of this delegation includes any actions or events prior to the March 17, 2022 takedown that are related to the SOS taking down the equal system. As background, the SOS is required by Arizona Resolution State, or I don't know, ARS uh, Statute 16-316 and through 318 to provide a system for qualified electors to sign a nomination petition for candidates for the state legislature and Congress. The SOS performs the statutory duty by maintaining the equal system. This duty was established in 2014 for legislative candidates and it was expanded to congressional candidates in 2016. As late as December 29, 2021, the SOS told prospective candidates and voters that qualified voters would be able to use the equal system through the end of the statutory signature gathering period, which is April 4th, 2022. However, the SOS claimed later claimed that she would take down the system beginning March 6th after the attorney general's office indicated this action would violate Arizona law. The SOS sued the attorney general for the uh, declaratory and injunctive relief 
The SOS claimed that counties would update their underlying voter information to change over to the new legislative and congressional systems uh, districts following redistricting. She claimed that once this process began, her equal system would become non-functional until all the counties updated to the new congressional and legislative districts. The Maricopa County Superior Court denied the SOS's request for preliminary injunction. The SOS nonetheless did take down the equal system for legislative and congressional candidates on or about March 17th. It is a class three misdemeanor. Yeah, let's do that. It's a class three misdemeanor for a public officer upon whom a duty is imposed by Title 16 of the Arizona Revised Statutes to knowingly fail or refuse to perform that duty in the manner prescribed by law. Arizona Revised Statute 16-10009 through Arizona um, Revised Statute 16-10010 or 1010 a person known, uh, charged with performance of any duty under law relating to the elections who knowingly refuses to perform such duty or whom, in his official capacity, knowingly acts in violation of any of the provisions of such law is guilty of a Class 6 felony. So she won't be able to vote if she is convicted. So the Attorney General may enforce the provision of Title 16 through civil and criminal actions. Oh, oh, Mark Brnovich thanks them for their willingness to accept the delegation. And, uh, yeah. All right, Brnovich. I'm just, guys, so done with Brnovich, basically, is what's up. Uh, this article here, A.G. Brnovich calls for investigation on Katie Hobbs' equal app system down. Um, let's see here. We have a Republican Attorney General and candidate for U.S. Senate Mark Brnovich asked the Cochise County Attorney to investigate Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs' office. Recent issues with the Equal, um, the state's online system, and the easiest way for candidates to get signatures caused it to be taken down on March 17th. Now, this is from a local paper, guys. This is from a local paper, so it's going to sound somewhat biased, all right? Uh, it says here, Jack Willencheck is a Republican election attorney, and he questions why equals having so many issues this close to the deadline. Of course, we all know, wonder why, but we all know why. Okay, it's because she's trying to make it hard for conservatives to run in her state. And that's what it boils down to, because Katie Schnobbs is one of those activist type of, uh, you know, politicians. She's, she's not just a politician in bed with whomever. Uh, most likely the other four or five attorney general women that are uh, subverting and breaking the law in their states. Uh, but she is an activist, activist elected official, an activist. Hey, WC Cranop, thank you for gifting the cookie. Much appreciated. Yeah, George Soros definitely is a backer here. He backed, uh, he backed, backed, backed it up into uh, Secretary Hobbs, right? And, and we saw that article wherein uh, A.G. Brnovich was hanging out with some of the, uh, I don't know, I guess the Arizona version of, uh, of, um, of uh, Silicon Valley. A lot of people from Austin, Texas, right? Campaigning for U.S. Senate, what he's going to do for them. Oh, God, it's just, it's bad. It is bad, ladies and gentlemen. This guy is a joke. 
He's a fake, a phony, and a fraud, and I wish I never laid eyes on him, A.G. Bernovich. It's kind of what I think about that. But anyways, guys, so that is the deal here. That's why I've basically given up on Bernovich. This guy is a fake, a phony, and a fraud, and I wish I never laid eyes on him, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he's waiting out the clock, literally, is what he's doing. Uh, so that he can, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't get it, guys. Like, he has, he is one of the most pivotal figures in the field of election integrity and election fraud exposure. One of the most pivotal figures. Because what he does will set precedence for every other state that attempts to go down this particular road in regard to election integrity, okay? He will set precedence. Well, what did he do? He taught people how to, uh, you know, wait out the clock, right? To, to, to go beyond the statute of limitations. To, to, to how to play with their nunchucks, all right? Chuck, I'll tell you about your nunchucks, Chuck. Disgusting. This guy is, this man is disgusting. Check this guy's, check this out. Check this out. So th there's more about this guy. The, and, uh, more reasons why I'm calling him a rhino. And I think this is probably like one of the last stories. If not, we got one, one with same story, one more article maybe, and we're done for the night. We're, we're rounding out the night, just uh, hammering away at this fake conservative this treasonous American, Attorney General Mark Burnovich, okay? Uh, we're rounding up the night hammering on this guy because this man has done nothing. He's done nothing for the 2020 general election in Maricopa County in, uh, in, uh, in Arizona, thereby doing nothing for this country, for the Constitution, or anything to help restore our republic done nothing. I found this story. This one's kind of new, actually. It's uh, dated the 30th. Mark Burnovich actually attempted to prosecute the alternate slate of pro-Trump electors. Can you believe that, guys? Like, he investigated whether or not he could prosecute the constituents and also the party that had alternate electors for 2020 for the state of Arizona. That is some dirt right there, guys. This guy is a weasel. He's not a bear. He's a weasel, right? He's a weasel. I could, you know, I was just really, really Mark Burnovich. Oh yeah, really Mark Burnovich. So it says here, um, Arizona AG Burnovich almost prosecuted pro-Trump electors. Donald Trump and the America First movement he leads serves as clarifying forces in American politics. Most Republican office holders and candidates make their stances quite clear one way or another, but not Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, a career politician who tries to have it both ways as he seeks the Republican nomination for the United States Senate seat from Arizona. Specifically, Burnovich clamors for Trump's endorsement and touts himself as a pro-Trump conservative, but explosive new documents prove his office actively considered prosecuting pro-Trump electors in the state who rightfully questioned the dubious official results 
of the presidential election of 2020. The Arizona vote was among the most contentious in America, with a mere 0.3%, just over 10,000 votes separating Biden and President Trump in the official tally. Given the highly questionable conduct of the election, including widespread voting by illegal immigrants uh, and violations of the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause, several rival slates of electors formed in Arizona. Ultimately, the Biden slate was unduly and prematurely certified by Governor Ducey, but with enormous controversy. As reported by the Arizona Republic, Brnovich's office requested information from the Office of the Federal Register about a document they had received from one of the pro-Trump slates, a group known as the Sovereign Citizens of the Great State of Arizona. Prosecutors in Brnovich's office gave the OFR specific instructions on how to deliver the documents to Arizona so that the Attorney General Brnovich could use them as evidence to prosecute the group. Um, SCGSA had met on December 7th, 2020 to cast their votes in favor of President Trump. They then mailed a document to the OFR on December 11th, announcing that they had made their decision under the God-given powers held by the citizens. The OFR's Director of Legal Affairs subsequently sent an email to Arizona Governor Doug Ducey informing him of the slate's actions. The governor's office responded by telling the OFR that they should not accept or post this unofficial certificate because, among other things, it does not meet the requirements under the federal law. The OFR simply responded with correct. Then on December 14th, the SCGSA sent another copy of their original declaration with one key difference. Unlike the expired date on the original document's notary stamp, the second set's date was valid. Upon receiving the second version, an assistant inspector general with the National Archives and Records Administration, which is overseen by the OFR, said that the agency should evaluate these types of issues for criminality. Brnovich's office did not get involved until March 2021 when a member of the Attorney General's Fraud and Special Prosecution Section, Todd Lawson, sent the aforementioned request for the group's documents to the OFR. Lawson specifically requested that the federal agency include a formal certificate declaring the documents to be authentic, which would allow the materials to be used in a criminal prosecution. For the certificate to be usable at trial, Lawson wrote, we will need a wet signature or original seal if you go that route. However, one year after Brnovich's office secretly sought to prosecute pro-Trump presidential electors, there has been no progress on any possible charges against them. Were the actions of the Citizens Committee aggressive and unorthodox? Yes, certainly. Were they criminal? Absolutely not. Unfortunately, consummate insider Brnovich has flip-flopped on the issue of voter fraud and election integrity, both during and immediately after the election, he insisted that there were no irregularities in Arizona and that Biden had legitimately won the election. He made no effort to use the vast power of his office to investigate voter fraud in the state. He was an Arizona version of the feckless Bill Barr in Washington, D.C. Disappointingly, he offered only half-hearted support for the state Senate's audit of Maricopa County which discovered numerous systemic irregularities in the state's most populous county. But these most recent revelations prove that his office is not just guilty of gross incompetence through inaction, through sins of omission. 
Even worse, his office actively worked behind the scenes to punish those who dared to criticize and question the official results. Lawyers working for Brnovich intended to collude with the federal government to bring criminal charges against pro-Trump electors. They then shelved the prosecution only because Brnovich decided to run for higher office, cognizant of the Trump base that largely controls Republican primaries. Brnovich represents everything that the America First base detests about the D.C. power brokers. Brnovich talks tough but punts on hard decisions. Plus, he worked in the shadows against the very people that he now solicits for support. Arizona deserves much better. I cannot stand Mark Brnovich. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't stand it. And, um, yeah, here, this is an article, Mark Burnovich, do your job. That's right. And we don't need to go through this. I mean, it's an opinion paper. It's an opinion paper. He's not doing his job. Okay. He, he's, he's been given so much evidence of vote fraud. Okay. Systemic fraud, ladies and gentlemen, in the 2020 general election in Arizona, so much evidence and just sat on his thumbs with his thumbs up. You know what, right? That dark smelly orifice that he sits on and he's done nothing okay i don't see how this man thinks that he is going to get away with claiming a united states senate seat i mean i don't care who his competitor is so is it uh, mark kelly or something like that i don't care it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous this burnovich guy is ridiculous and to make matters worse he recently appeared on Sean Hannity's show. Okay, now we all know about Sean Hannity. We all know that this dude is a rhino. We all know he is a shamestream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile, media head, right? But just to prove the point about how disjointedly, disconnected, discombobulatedly separated from their base these people are, Sean Hannity does not even ask Brnovich a single damn question about election fraud or the election fraud of 2020 in Arizona or where's the and we've already seen President Trump, right? Isn't President Trump Sean Hannity's boy, right? Oh, that's my boy, President Trump. I'm Sean Hannity. I love to talk about myself and give you my point of view and don't let you get your you know, And yet he cannot even seem to ask that question. He cannot even seem to ask the question, ladies and gentlemen, about the audit report and where the investigation... Brnovich doesn't have to give any information. Brnovich does not have to be specific. He could say, yeah, the report's moving forward. Yeah, the investigation... Or no, it's not. Or no, I'm just sitting with my thumbs up my dark, smelly orifice. You know, that's all he has to say. That's all we want, you know. Hey, Pilled by the Rabbit, what's going on? Hey, Christine C., how are you doing? Is he Ukrainian? Tam Grau asks, no, Brnovich is not Ukrainian. His family just did not have enough money to buy another vowel or two. Okay, all right, not my joke, his. So, uh, oh, lordy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the question of election fraud 2020. Did it happen? Did it not happen? It happened. It happened, guys. It happened. So... In the spirit of integrity, we have to press on, ladies and gentlemen. I have one more story for you guys. I know you guys are enjoying your time hanging out with me here at the Sea Report. 
Um, so let's go ahead and just get through this, guys. This is uh this is actually this is a, this is that other report I was talking about, right? This is the one that got a little bit snarky about uh, about the whole Dominion voting machine stuff. Okay, we'll wrap it up with this story, guys. I promise. We'll wrap it up with this story. We've already been here for over two hours. My back is starting to act up. My uh, my my uh, my back pain pills are wearing out, <laughs> as it were. So um, let's just wrap it up with this. This is a new report that just uh, made headways, just broke, basically, about voter fraud in 2020. It actually came from a peer-reviewed report. Huh. Peer-reviewed. Now, that's a phrase that we did not hear much at all concerning COVID-19 and any of its uh, efficiencies. Anything that, We didn't hear any kind of peer-review, anything from COVID-19. And yet, we've managed to get a peer-reviewed report about election fraud in 2020. So that's a good thing. That's a plus, right? Okay. Let's just barrel into this guys. Just just barrel into this. Now this comes from, um, the Patriot post. Okay. So they are a little bit snarky about the entire dominion voting machine thing, but let's hear what they have to say. Uh, still more evidence of electoral fraud. A peer reviewed study finds more than 250,000 excess votes for Joe Biden across six battleground states. Uh, anyone with a lick of curiosity or common sense knew it just did not add up. And the latest evidence, which comes in the form of a peer-reviewed report on voting discrepancies in six battleground states, merely adds to the suspicion. Um, vindication has come much too slowly for the tens of millions of Americans who just know in their gut that something was not right, even though Fox News and the other corporate media organs were shamefully quick to proclaim the 2020 presidential election, the most secure in American history. The three things that jumped out at us were Joe Biden's utter lack of compelling candidacy, his loss of an incredible 18 of 19 bellwether counties, and his astonishing vote total. Those three things taken together caused the thoughtful people to wonder how Biden could have won the 2020 presidential election fair and square. Um... It goes on to this whole Biden thing here, guys. But uh, it says here, ask ask him how uh, Biden could have lost all but one of those 19 bellwether counties. Those counties scattered all about the country that have an uncanny knack for being on the right side of one presidential election after another, like Vigo County, Indiana, which until 2020 had failed to pick the presidential winner in only two elections since 1888. Okay, so yeah, Um, here's where they're snarky about the Dominion voting machines. They say, no, it wasn't those Dominion voting machines. That theory was a bright, shiny, unfortunate distraction. I just, you know, I have to disagree with that. I have to disagree with that. I don't think that it was a distraction at all. I think as Katieman 63 pointed out was one of the many methods that they used to fulfill this voter fraud. That's what we're talking about here, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, what's up Kiwi Crochet Girl? Good to see you. Glad you're uh, in the audience tonight. And uh, thanks for popping in to say hello. But yeah, I don't agree with that. That This was definitely a piece of the puzzle. And we've talked about that, guys. Now, this uh, this um, a report finds that 250,000 only 
250,000 votes are in question in the six states. I mean, you might have 250,000 in one of the states alone, okay, that are questionable votes, but not in all six states. So, you know, where the, the good thing about this report is it is it is grounded and based in scientific proof. And I'll, I'll show you guys what I mean by that. Scientific evidence of, uh, you know, schematics and, uh, and, and strategies and other types of speculations. Uh, it, it's something solid. And this person's touting it as to be like the next godsend. Okay. Like we're going to go ahead and decertify the 2020 election based on 250,000 votes. Okay, in one state, maybe. Uh, in six states, yeah, no, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They're just going to go along with the illegitimate vote as they have this entire time. Okay, so it does say instead it was a well-orchestrated and magnificently funded takeover of the voting operations in the urban areas of the key sing swing states. Okay, this is something that we've definitely seen, guys. And they acknowledge that here in this article. Three of those states, Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin, went to Joe Biden by just 43,000 votes uh, cumulatively in an election of more than 155 million vote totals. That's one vote for every 3,600 cast. Uh, the pieces of the puzzle have been coming together, frustratingly slow but surely. First with uh, – now, this was this – was, this is the big one right here, guys. First with what – First was that Time Magazine article about a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging from industries across and ideologies working together behind the scenes to influence the perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage and control the flow of information. Okay. Times Magazine published this article in February of 2021, where they boasted and they bragged about how they stole this election. And that is a direct quote from the article, a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws steer media coverage and control the flow of information. They indicted themselves and no one is doing anything about it. They pants themselves and everyone is just taking in the big old smelly moon. Okay. Uh, this cabal took a game changing $419 million of Mark Zuckerberg's money and used it to get out the vote in critical Democrat areas of key battleground states. Okay. As the researcher William Doyle reported last October, it had to do with financing the infiltration of election offices at the city and county level by left-wing activists and using those offices as a platform to implement preferred administrative practices, voting methods, and data sharing agreements, as well as to launch intensive outreach campaigns in areas heavy with Democrat voters. Okay, so that's uh, kind of the gist of it. Then they talk about Georgia. They talk about true the vote, right? They talk about the ballot harvesting, okay? They talk about Wisconsin. They talk about uh, the Gableman report, okay? And what they found there, uh, dealing with the uh, vote uh, harvesting of the, um, the uh, um, uh, nursing home and rehabilitation centers a population, where you have, what, 100% of the nursing home residents turning out to vote? What? In what world do we live in where 100% of the nursing home population turn out to vote? Apparently, this is the timeline where you will see these types of things. 
this six-page report, I mean, sorry, the six-state report, okay, talks about these discrepancies. A new deep dive into discrepancies in the ballot counts of six key battleground states in the 2020 election has turned up more than 250,000 excess votes for select Joe Biden and maybe far more. The key point in the upcoming peer-reviewed study for the journal Public Choice by economist and noted gun expert John Lott Jr. is that the excess voting may challenge or explain Biden's margin of victory over President Donald Trump in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Lott is, appropriately enough, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. He's also the author of the 1998 bestseller More Guns, Less Crime, and he notes... By a margin of 52% to 40%, voters believe that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. That's per a Rasmussen Report survey from this month. And that stands in stark contrast to the countless news stories editorializing about no evidence of voter fraud and the myth of voter fraud. Okay, so let's go ahead and pop our noses into this report. So that we can round off tonight's show, guys. Now, it's a uh, 39-page report. We're not going to go through all of this, obviously. Um, It's called Simple Tests for the Extent of Vote Fraud with Absentee and Provisional Ballots in the 2020 U.S. Presidential Election. So that's what they focused on here. They focused on the absentee ballots. They focused on the um, provisional ballots in regards to the, the drops and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it, it really, it's, it's just what we got to say. I mean, there's not a whole lot more to say here, guys, about what they found. Um, it says here, the abstract, okay? The study reports three tests measuring vote fraud in 2020 U.S. presidential election, although they provide inconsistent evidence to isolate the impact of a county's vote counting process and potential fraud on candidates' margin. I first compare voting precincts in a county with alleged fraud to adjacent precincts in neighboring counties with no allegations of fraud. And then he computes these things. He does all this other technical stuff. And I'll show you how technical it is, guys. I'm not I'm not making this up. Um, so basically what they find here is it indicates that in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, there is a combined, uh, indication of over an excess of 255,000 votes that went to Biden. He's basically doing the entire, um, Seth Keschel thing, right? That's basically what he's doing. He's using historical data. He's using data from, um, counties that did not have claims of voter fraud. And he's using historical data to like, go ahead and get through the entire, um, uh, schematics of it all. That's basically what he's done here. He has this crazy, 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 um, We're going to look at the highlighted stuff in just a sec, but this crazy formula, okay, Uh, I, guys, I mean, I am no mathematician, okay, but check this out. This is how he figured out the voter fraud, right? Parentheses A slash T-A-I-O minus parentheses A slash T-A-I-1 PTP1 plus uh, squiggly mark D times X1 plus... uh, reverse three squiggly one. What the heck does that mean, right? Okay. <laughs> this is how he figured out the voter fraud. Okay. This is how he did it. 
Were A equals absent ballots for Trump, TA total absentee ballots for both candidates, P equals in minus person or in-person votes for Trump, and TP equals total in-person votes. The superscripts 0 and 1 indicate adjacent precincts in neighboring counties, and the subscript I represents the set of precincts being compared. The binary variable D equals 1 if one of the adjacent precincts is in Fulton County. In that case, Fulton County is subscript 0, D equals zero otherwise this guy just wrote uh, the null hypothesis that squiggly mark equals zero and squiggly mark is greater than this guy is just tooting his own horn this guy is sitting up there stroking his organ and like i figured this out with a mathematical equation and it has nothing to do with dominion right that is crap. Okay, but okay, you know what? The good thing is it's peer-reviewed, okay? It's peer-reviewed. They they done figured it out some way. And I just think it's ridiculous. Um, but let me just say, let me just say, as we close out tonight's show, uh, he talks about other countries and other evidences of election um, fraud. And so I wanted to share that with you guys from this report. Actually, that was the main takeaway for me. 255,000 excessive votes in six swing states. I'm sorry, sir, but it was probably a whole lot more than that, okay? We're probably talking in the millions, right? Because he's not considering the election rigging information center, Eric, right? He's not considering all the actual fake ballots that dropped at midnight, okay? And, and maybe the reason why he's not figuring those two is because they had the fake ballots that were stuffed in the box and they had the uh, data and numbers to back it up because of Eric, so this way, you know, we're not going to consider that. We're just going to consider historical data uh, of, of alleged county fraud with counties that didn't have fraud or precincts that didn't have fraud. We're going to apply some crazy mathematical equation to it. And then my peers will review it and they will not, they will agree with me, right? That's all this guy is doing. Okay. So enough about that. I think we done figured it out. Okay. Let's look at his other evidence. And in this report, he talks about other things of election fraud that I thought were far more valuable than his damn equation. Okay, so let's see here. I mean, thank you to this man who wrote this um, this report up, because at least that's another piece of ammunition that we can use as we move forward in election integrity efforts and securing 2020. Thank you for that. But I'm, I'm I think he is a very myopic if I'm saying that right, uh, in, in regards to why he even wrote this report. I mean, he, I don't know. He's just, he, he thank you. Uh, gratitude to this man. But here's, here's the real good stuff, I think, right? Okay. In his introduction, he talks about other election fraud. So he says, in 2005, the Bipartisan Commission on Federal Election Reform, chaired by former President Jimmy Carter and former Secretary of State James Baker III, concluded that absentee ballots remain the largest source of potential fraud, voter fraud. Intimidation and vote buying also were key concerns of the commission. Citizens who vote at home, at nursing homes, at the workplace, or in church are more susceptible to pressure, overt and subtle, or intimidation. Vote buying schemes are far more difficult to detect when citizens vote by mail. Worries about vote buying have a long history in the United States. They helped drive the move to the secret ballot, which United States adopted between 1888 and 1950. Secret ballots made it harder for vote buyers to monitor the candidates whom voters actually supported, 
Vote buying had been pervasive, with voter turnout falling by 8% to 12% after states adopted the secret ballot. Absentee ballots reversed that trend, making it easier to buy the votes. So that was one point. I appreciate the historical information that is provided there. Uh, uh, talking Because we know that election fraud and theft has been you know, rampant forever, right? None more so than in the most recent years. But it gives you some context, you know, about the entire absentee ballot type of situation and, and ways that uh, fraud was perpetrated, you know. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, it talks about the European countries in this section. It says almost all European countries have adopted stricter anti-fraud voting rules than the United States. Uh, for example, 35 of the 47 countries in Europe ban absentee voting entirely for citizens living there. Another 10 countries allow it, but require voters to show up in person and present photo IDs to pick up their ballots. Six of those 10 countries limit the practice to people in the military or a hospital, and they require third-party verification. Another 16 European countries ban absentee ballots for voters living abroad on election day. Developed countries with fewer exceptions or with few exceptions did not adopt emergency voting measures during the coronavirus pandemic. Poland allowed mail-in ballots as a one-time option for everyone during 2020, as did Bavaria for a runoff election and two cities in Russia, Fliss and Kaminsky in 2020. France adopted more limited exceptions, temporarily allowing sick or at-risk individuals to vote absentee. France banned mail-in voting in 1975 because of the massive fraud in Corsica. Voters cast multiple votes with stolen or purchased postal ballots. Mail-in ballots also were cast for dead people. The United Kingdom, which allows postal voting, has uncovered notable mail-in ballot fraud cases. Prior to recent photo ID requirements, six Labour Party councillors in Birmingham won office after what the judge described as a massive, systematic and organized postal voting fraud campaign. The fraud apparently occurred with the full knowledge and cooperation of local Labour Party officials. Now, I don't know much about voting in the United Kingdom, but I'm pretty sure that the Labour Party is synonymous to the Democrat Party here in America. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Okay, uh, last bit of info here. Uh, very interesting, right? So you can see exactly how rampant this is. Hey, uh, thanks for the 659 gold pills, WC Cranot. Much appreciated. Another good number, he says. I don't know what number that is, but, you know, they're all great numbers. Thank you so much. Um, okay, let's wrap this up, guys. In 1991, Mexico mandated voter photo IDs with thumbprints and banned absentee ballots. The then-governing institution Revolutionary Party had for many years engaged in fraud and intimidation for mail-in ballots to win elections. Only in 2006 were absentee ballots again allowed, and then only for voters living abroad who requested them at least six months in advance. Uh, one of the 2020 election controversies was that states like Georgia, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin did not match signatures on the outer mail-in ballot envelopes to voters' official registration records. 
In other states, particularly Pennsylvania, accusations were raised of accepting absentee ballots not enclosed in outer envelopes displaying the voter's signature and that signatures uh, on on those ballots weren't checked. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. Okay, so uh, uh, flipping from um, world uh, voting f- uh, fraud issues to back to what was going on specifically in the states. I mean, you had the secretary, the acting secretary of state over there or Commonwealth in Pennsylvania creating her own rules and regulations for how to accept um, these uh, adjudicated ballots, right? Where they have to like uh, view the view it by hand and a human can make that decision. How many of these ballots are we aware of that did not even have the envelopes? I think it was in uh, Georgia or Wisconsin. They had just talked about that. Like there was like thousands of ballots that did not even have an envelope. Okay. And yet this guy wants to say 255,000 in six states. No, I'm sorry, sir. It was probably a lot more than that. Uh, Check this one out. In Missoula County, Montana, which held an entirely mail-in ballot election in November 2020, an audit found that 4,592 out of the 72,491 mail-in ballots lacked envelopes. So here's another example of that, just what we were talking about. Representing 6.33% of all the votes, absent an officially printed envelope containing registration information, the voter's signature and a postmark indicating that a ballot had been cast on time, election officials cannot verify a vote's legitimacy. It is a violation of Montana's election laws to count such votes, yet such votes were counted. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was pretty much the case across the board. Fraud, fraud, fraud across the board, ladies and gentlemen, is what we were dealing with in 2020. And, you know, you got to be thankful for those efforts, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that they have actually done the research and it's peer reviewed and they have a hard like equation to back it up. But um, the simple truth is there was a whole lot more than they are accounting for in their scientific mathematical mindset. All right, guys, that concludes tonight's episode of The Sea Report. What a way to do a Friday. Um, And, uh, well, we'll be back in Adam. Again, don't forget, tomorrow we have the President Trump rally in Michigan. Okay, we'll probably uh, be on the air about 3 or 4 p.m. Central Time. We're going to try and catch the entire, entire rally because I want to see uh, um, Matt DiPerno and Christina Caramo. Uh, I want to see their speeches. I want to see what kind of reception they get because uh, they are the ones that if you live in Michigan, you need to be voting for those two in particular, ladies and gentlemen. Um, don't forget to uh, follow us on, uh, you know, uh, follow us on on uh, Clout Hub, Twitch, Rumble, Follow us on uh, pill.net. Favorite us over at thefoxhole.app. Uh, make sure you sign up for our email list over at thecreport.com. Check out our store. Support the broadcast that way. Thank you all for all the gold pill support over at the foxhole and over at pill.net. Uh, Much appreciated. The love that you guys are sending over and the support. Trust me, I appreciate it more than you guys can know. You make sure that we will keep these operations up and running for, you know, God knows how long, right? (laughs) God willing, we'll be here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, Make sure to check out our um, podcast as well, anchor.fm slash the C report. 
So this way you guys can take, a, take this broadcast to go and uh, keep it in your ears and enjoy it that way in case you miss the show live and in person. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again so much. We will be back soon. How soon will we be back? Well, we'll let you know how soon we'll be back when we're back, ladies and gentlemen. But until then, my back is about to give in. So we'll talk to you guys sooner than later. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you guys soon. Take care till then.